Hello survivors and welcome to First Aid Spray, a Resident Evil podcast by fans, for fans. This is a very special bonus episode for two reasons. Uh, first of all, if I haven't changed my mind, this should be releasing on the fourth anniversary of First Aid Spray. That's the plan anyway. Uh, so yay, happy four years to us. It's also very special because for the first time ever, we are all recording in person. Except like, for Jordan. Except for Jordan, yes. Oh, yeah. Um, we miss you, Jordan. You know. Spirals don't get podcasts. Yeah, we are convinced Jordan is either A a Spiral, B a Bot, or C Skynet. Could be all. Yes, Could be all, all, of, all of the above. So, uh, this, I'm, I'm, I have written some intros, so we're going to do okay. at least that part. Yes. That's, That's what we do. Yeah, that is yeah, yeah. that. And then out from there, it becomes chaos. So, uh, so the panelists so synonymous with First Aid Spray that if someone were to remake or reboot the podcast, he'd play the role of himself. I mean, who better? It's fine, but I'm Steve uh, Alex. Okay. <laughs> yes. Hello, everybody. The man, the myth, the massive delight of watching people freak out at indie horror games from Steamforge Games at Sherwin Matthews. That's right. <laughs> First Aid Spray's first ever guest panellist, who in the last three and a half years has been found theorising connections between Umbrella and Wayland and or Utani. It's James, <laughs> aka Moist Outlet. Hello. And coming from the southern tip of the country to the West Midlands, here comes that initialism, knackering drive back. It's Percy, <laughs> aka KDB. <laughs> yes, right. that's why I'm brought to you by Monster today. <laughs> Um, so yeah, there is the format for this show is basically a little while ago uh, we put something out on social media looking for questions to be answered. So this is a Q and A with questions asked by uh, Patreon supporters and Twitter followers and the like. We couldn't necessarily use everything. We've grabbed a bunch of stuff. We'll see what we get through. This is going to be chaos, oh, yes. almost certainly. We're so used to recording online that it's not going to work in person. We can guarantee that. So nevertheless. Um, I guess I'll just launch into it when I can find them. Where's that? Everyone talk. Mm, you're going to go yeah, this side. But yeah, it's pretty awesome to be together in the same space with you all. Everybody's real, I can confirm. And well, Jordan, I can, Yeah, we can't confirm about yeah, Jordan. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, no. so, some of us are taller or shorter than we expected. <laughs> we'll leave it to the audience to figure out. Who that is. <laughs> Why don't you look at me, Sherwin? Because <laughs> you're opposite. I have nowhere else to look. <laughs> I mean, I could look at Jordan's empty chair, which is exactly what I'm doing. Longingly. Yeah. yeah. Not longingly as much as just accusingly. <laughs> <laughs> you Jordan I mean if Jordan was really a squirrel we wouldn't be able to see him on that chair <laughs> I'd, like to think that Jordan, I'd like to think if Jordan was real he'd be hiding inside this vase uh, <laughs> every now and then yeah. so the first question comes from Choji good friend of the show uh, nice kind of easy one to start off with we touched on this a little bit but um, it's what's your favourite Resident Evil game and if there was one thing you could change from it what would it be uh, we did get a similar question from somebody else who basically said what would you change about every Resident Evil game that's quite a long question <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's a podcast that's yeah. a series exactly that's a whole podcast by itself that's a series of podcasts uh, us, yeah. so appreciated but let's keep it a little more simple so yes what's your favourite Resident Evil game what would you change about it Kelsey do you want to start with you and go around yeah yeah let's start with me uh, less time for me to think about it yes uh, <laughs> my, my favourite game is the original RE2 I mean that's just I don't even have to think about that um and one day we're going to talk about that in more in depth, which yeah, is going to be, day. I don't know how we're going to do that, but it will happen. Um, so what would I change about it? Mm-hmm. Uh, I would change, um, God. I did think about this prior, but now I'm just, I would change. 
Great stuff. Steve, what's your favourite Resident Evil <laughs> Well, oddly enough, mine is also the original Resident Evil 2. Surprising nobody. Uh, the thing I would change is... And I would the, change... The, mm-hmm. the colour of Leon's socks. Because <laughs> they don't blend with that outfit do at we, all. Do we ever canonically see Leon's socks? <laughs> yeah, we do, actually. We have, um, you know, the, Leon's cop, canonical socks. Cop right answer. Cop answer, but I actually do It's like, a new, new sock birch. Let's go. His newer outfit more. I know it's not much, but there's some sci-fi b- pads. I would take the, the aesthetic of the original and throw it away and throw in the new one. Mm. Now I'm getting upset on the internet. <laughs> there we go. No, I mean I think I agree because we just did something for first aid spray that isn't out yet, and that exact point came up from me. Mm. <laughs> so I think I would. I'm just. There we go. I, I just incomplete agreement because I remember the first time I saw it, I was just like, this is this weird kind of supposed to be like a SWAT style thing but it's not it's more like a parachutist jumpsuit yeah and it's weird it doesn't really make much sense uh, it's nice colour right. <laughs> which kind of looks good in the game but yeah, it, the it's the most itself. sci-fi looking outfit of the protagonists yeah. ever I mean it's cool but it doesn't fit whereas the remake 2 one fits yeah um, that was, it's just a SWAT uniform agreed so making it a bit more boring <laughs> <laughs> show him favourite Resident Evil game and thing you would change about it so I mean the obvious answer I have to say is Gaiden um, <laughs> yeah. because that's what everyone is expecting from me uh, but in all seriousness you can't change the masterpiece that is Gaiden so that's a bad answer <laughs> Correct. Um, I think I'll go for do you know Remake I think is the one for me mm. um, I do just love that game uh, what would I change about it? Two things if I can. Uh, the first sure. one is I'd have better endings. It's the only downfall of that game is that the endings just feel a bit lacklustre. Um, as in there's not enough variety in terms of what actually happens at the end. Mm. They leave or they don't. Yeah, well that means you've lost. Um, <laughs> well, no, necessarily. It just means that Jill's dead, Chris yeah, is alive. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'd mix around those a little bit and expand those, uh, make them a bit feel a bit better. Um, and, yeah, more hints of what's yet to come. Bear in mind, they know made this game; they know what's yet to come. <laughs> um, the other thing I might do is put in a randomizer, uh, so that way the members of stars that you find is different on each playthrough. So, therefore, yeah, it's not always um, Richard who's poisoned by Yawn. It's not always you know Rebecca you find you know hiding away from hunters and things just mix it around a bit um, mm. make it feel so there's more to when you go play go back and play it there's more replayability mm. um, I think that's really where I'm coming from but would you change anyone's outfits is <laughs> what we're asking here <laughs> the, <A-S- laughs> the important stuff <laughs> yeah I mean, through yeah. that gameplay yeah. exciting randomizer mechanic if you want to drill into that <laughs> change some of the uh, some of the outfits you could unlock uh, Rebecca's cowgirl outfit is like the enemy of fun uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah that's pretty much it Mm. What about Chris's gangster outfit with the red shirt and the? No, I like that. It looks yeah. like it looks like he's just about to go snowboarding or something. Yeah, I like that. It's like finally Chris, someone Chris, else sees the line. Chris got pulled back from his holiday um, and literally just had to like you know, he's literally walking around like it's supposed to be my day off. That would give him a whole new element of character that I don't think Chris Redfield is ready for because it would make him not be bland and forgettable. <laughs> um, yes. On that bombshell, James, favourite Resident Evil game, what would you change about it? Changes every week. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think this week <laughs> it's Resident Evil Village. Um, and uh, I mean, they didn't ask why, but I just love how it ties a lot of the older games in. But that's why it changes all the time, because a lot of the other games can be tied in so easily. 
like with Village and Resident Evil 7 with how they've done kind of origin stuff but not really touched canon too much mm. um, the thing I would change about it is Chris Redfield mm. um, what could they do make him make it a better story don't half ass it like they did in Village. <laughs> like he li- there's literally no reason why. They- if you took Chris Conveniently out, doesn't tell Ethan things. Right. Mm. Also, yeah. going to go with marketing beforehand. Don't uh, try and hoodwink your viewers and your consumers by trying to make out that Chris is a villain when he really wasn't. Mm. Like, and you put it on the cover. We discussed this yesterday. Like, it, it just... It never made any sense. Um... Yeah, he didn't add anything other than Jeff Shine's great portrayal of him and the fact like as a person I liked Chris. Mm. Like his story arc and why he was there was really dumb. Yes. So they should have just yeah, fixed fixed. Agreed. It. <laughs> uh mine is also Resident Evil Two Classic. What? I know. Who knew? My outfit change <laughs> <laughs> is unlockable uh Elsa Walker in the original, oh. obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my non outfit change would be there's two things, and they're both kind of stupid. One is the randomizer from N64 should have been in it. Full stop. Yes. Right. Put that in the PS1 version so everybody has better access to it. Yeah. And also, David Ford should have a face. <laughs> <laughs> That's my one. I know. I want to know what he looks like. Mm. There you go. Oh, and modern ports for everything, please. Yeah, that's, uh, that's yeah. the real thing. Oh, yeah. and also a B-Files mode that is more its own thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah why not? Separate it even more. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, okay, the next question uh, comes from our good friend Ferdinand. Um, I'm going to read it verbatim, but we're going to have to tweak it slightly. A uh, question for you all. I'm a Resident Evil collector. I've got 130 different editions of games. Every board game expansion, almost all English dubbed comics, most manga in all language possibly. Uh, a few collector's chests, all novels, and the movies. Yes, also the movies. Yeah, there's a lot more to buy. I would like to know your collection. It'd be nice to show them. Keep up the good work. Uh, P.S. Little Eva is mutating into a bigger Eva. I've got to buy new first aid spray merch for her. Um, so I'm going to workshop that into what is your prized Resident Evil collector's item or piece of merchandise. And also a shout out to Eva. Also yeah. that. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, Eva. Yeah. Hello. Uh, so I guess I'll start. Uh, I think I've already said this. I don't have a whole lot of like Resident Evil merch. But I do have sealed Biohazard 2 in Japanese, you know. And I don't know if that's the factory sealed or if someone's re-sealed one. But a friend who just came back from a holiday in Japan was like, look what I found, here you go. And I was like, cool. And that stayed in its cellophane since. Uh, So there you go. Kelsey, you want to go again this way? Yeah, kind of the same as you. I don't have loads of, you know, loads of stuff. I collect a few things. But I think more recently... um, So... I did get all the books, all the S.T. Perry books with the uh, with the proper covers yes. as well. Um, it always breaks my heart when I see the the alternate covers uh, online. But and thinking about it, um, I just think there's something about just having all of them. They all look fantastic. I think over time as well, those are going to get harder, harder and harder to find. Aren't they? Yeah, they're not going to print those old covers anymore. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a bad show. I do really want to get um, like the GameCube versions of the games. Um, that's kind of next on my list. But yeah, my collection isn't very expansive for Resident Evil. I think the books is definitely... Um, at the moment, it's at the top. Um, mm. They're proudly on my shelf. They look amazing. And I haven't read them all. Um, working my way through it. 
but yeah definitely underrated shout to the GameCube I, like, on my shelf I've got all the GameCube yeah. it's nice to see Zero Remake 2, 3, Code Veronica yeah. and 4 in a line it's and like, I think cool, all it, on one console 2 I think is like the non the, the best way to play a vanilla version of the game I think like, obviously you can mod it on the PC and get high res mm. graphics and stuff but right. I think the GameCube version of 2 runs and looks better than any other version yeah. well the sound desyncs in that one scene <laughs> <laughs> Steve uh, I'm going to look longingly into Sherwin's eyes and go my hand painted Resident Evil 2 the board game uh, so I'm to sign the basis. Oh, mm. <laughs> four hours of showing. Um, failing that, I actually do like rate those models are really nice. Um, probably my Resident Evil put controller. It's a terrible controller. Oh yeah, yeah. PS1 but, controller. Yeah, but I, I love that controller. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, it's, it's a unique shape. Could potentially be a very viable cudgel, and it's got Resident Evil written on it. It's kind of neat. Um, so yeah. yeah, my collection's not expansive. I would say the Perry novels too, but. Kels is right and he deserves his answer and gets to keep it for it all himself. <laughs> I was going to be greedy and jump in with the second one in a minute, but carry on. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, just, I just thought something. Um, so, I think I might have told this story when I first came on to First Aid Spray, was Resident Evil 2, I had a magazine walkthrough for it before mm. I played the game and I read it cover to cover and studied it. So when I got the game, mm. I knew the game inside out, which I know sounds insane, but I was like 11 years old and it wasn't insane to me at the time. I just wanted to you know, read what was going to happen. And that magazine, I absolutely loved because it had some just like awesome layout. It was like an eight page feature, like an entire walkthrough for the game, yeah. but like both scenarios. Loved it, loved it. And then I lost it. And then a couple of years ago, Luigi from the server found a version of it online for me, like in pristine condition. And it's so sad, just like, oh, this magazine walkthrough. <laughs> That's but amazing. It was, it's just beautiful, like the way it was put together. It's, the magazine was called PlayStation Solutions. And so I got that, paid like 20 quid for it. But that came, and yeah, that's in like cellophane. <laughs> that's <laughs> cool. You need Superman yeah. sealed one when you've got that. Yeah. I, uh, I, you just don't have a memory of mine. I didn't have any like officially printed thing, but I remember being so enamoured with Resident Evil 2, I was in middle school at the time, that I printed off a walkthrough someone had made on like GameFAQs or whatever, stapled it, and just read it like a book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, what it's literally yeah. not a book at all. It was like, now yeah. you go in this room, there is ammo here. Like, I was just, <laughs> I <get> so dumb. <laughs> that magazine, I remember, referred to the lab liquors as Claude Liquors as well, because there was like a debate yeah. for ages what they're called, and I always knew them as Claude Liquors because of that walkthrough. Mm. Whether that's their official name or not, I don't it know. Isn't, it isn't. No, this is what I mean. It has a story about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah showing. What's your. Uh, oh. I'm not terribly materialistic, so I don't have. Like, anything I have is mostly happenstance from the past or whatever. Mm. I do have. Like, I've still got all of my original games, so I've still got. Yeah. You know, that kind of left me with, I guess, a bit of a collection of most people's eyes. I've still got. Um, you know, the, the original PlayStation games, I've got Deadly Silence, uh, the Nintendo 64 RE, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I guess the unique item I can talk about is I've got a bunch of the original Japanese soundtracks. Oh yeah, and yeah. So what I've got what RE one, RE two, RE three, RE four, RE five, uh, the orchestra um, ones they did, and then a couple of really random town kind of different mm. bits and pieces. Um, but yeah, so that that's probably the closest thing because obviously that's more my focus and interest of what it was. Um, in a time before Spotify and other such things mm. um, had to get these things but um, yeah that, that's pretty much I think my only real thing otherwise I generally don't tend to hang on to bits and pieces too much I mean I've got a whole bunch of prototypes of Resident Evil stuff from board games but yeah, that yeah. doesn't necessarily count so. 
Those, oh, those, okay. those are just things that I can't really show light of day. I can't really destroy properly. So <laughs> I can just live in my room and be wondering how I get rid of them. But there we are. James? Uh, yeah, I'm not really a materialistic person, but I do have um, <clears throat> a Resident Evil 2 PC game. <laughs> oh, amazing. <laughs> Which a friend of mine gave to me and said, oh, you might like this. And it's the CD is perfectly, it's, it's fine. Like so, I don't think it'll run on my PC because right. it's from. It, you need Windows ninety five or ninety eight for it. <laughs> but I, it's there. But otherwise, I don't really have a lot of Resident Evil stuff because uh, I think mostly it's the games that really interest me the most. Yeah. Um, the merch has been pretty lackluster in the years that I've... Yes. Um, <laughs> you I've didn't known. like them t-shirts? No. <laughs> I made them. <laughs> in 18 minutes. Um, yeah, like, the, the merch hasn't been great. Like, I've seen a lot of folks in Discord who shared, like, their, their stars badges and their samurai edges, which look really dope. Um, mm. And the, the figures that have been coming out recently have been kind of cool, um, as well from Numskull. But otherwise, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not like it has to be something really special for me to go. Mm. I'll get that. Where's um, the kind of toys Resident Evil playset? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think I know it's gonna. I know it's gonna. I know it won't, didn't want to do this early, but I think the the thing that has been the best thing to collect is all the friends I've made. Oh, oh James. Oh, James. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you are dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so a lot of these questions come anonymously as well. Um, so this one is anonymous. Certain people, possibly Welsh, claim incorrectly that the water puzzle <laughs> in RE3 is easy. <laughs> What's the Resident Evil puzzle you struggle with the most? I know what this is. Go ahead, Kels. So this is a very recent... Originally, I would have said the Ashley puzzle in Resident Evil 4, which you think, oh no, it's really easy if you know the solution. But yeah. Ignoring that... <laughs> on, re on, on rebirth mode, every puzzle was easy if you know the solution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> on rebirth mode, deadly silence. Uh, just after you first encounter Neptune, you have to go into the little room and you have to turn the valve. But on rebirth mode, you have to turn it with the stick. But I don't know if just the DS I have is oh. crap. <laughs> it does not fucking turn, and I think I must have died like fifteen times just trying to get the valve to turn. And so it's not through that the puzzle is complex. It's just that the mechanic won't bloody work. <laughs> Man, that, that yeah, sounds like broken DS. Yeah, <laughs> that one is recently the one I've struggled with more than anything easily. Mm. Steve, I mm. see. I want to say something really. It's it's truthfully childish, but there's a puzzle in RE4. Yeah, I know. Calm down. Um, this is, is it the one behind the church. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Like if you know the solution, I can do it by muscle memory. If I break that muscle memory at any point, I'm there for ten minutes. Yeah. Like you know the solution, just know. But it's just like all right, I count the notches. And then if that, if that rhythm breaks, my brain just fries. So yeah, it's that one. That's mine as well. Yeah, it's definitely mine. It should be so simple, but it's not. It's not. And I think on separate ways, it's different as well, isn't it? Yes. I think it's even more infuriating. Yeah. So yeah, I'm with you on that one. Shall what is your least favourite puzzle in Resident Evil? I don't know least favourite. It uh, wasn't the question. Well, the smoke on you struggle yeah, with. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the one probably that comes to mind uh, isn't the warp puzzle, which is pretty straightforward. Um, is. <laughs> <laughs> just, throw, just throwing it out there straight away. Yeah. 
could never struggle with that one. But it's probably in RE3. It's the uh, it's the clock tower. Uh, oh, the, the thing with the gems and yeah. the yeah, because it randomizes um, yeah. and it has two variables uh, on it, which is mm-hmm. interesting. So yeah, that's probably the one. I mean, there's a special shout out for the. Um, I do have to throw a special shout out for remake and the uh, the button key combination oh, uh, to God. get into the chemical yeah. room. That's yeah. that's a particular pain in the ass yeah. for Good both one. remake and original. Mm. Um, but yeah, mm. no, yes, fair. James, puzzle that you struggled with the most. I'm gonna it? I'm gonna pick two. I'm gonna okay. Um, <clears throat> one that is very obvious. I have a real problem with um, object permanence. <laughs> <laughs> like if, okay. if things change my brain uh, when it's in a when it's in a if it's if the puzzle's in front of me hmm. physically I can do it but if it's in a video game for some reason my brain can't figure it out so the um, in remake 2 the keypad things I ha- I do this oh the same little yeah. Yeah. yeah I have to do this thing I, ha- I have to say numbers out loud that yeah. works yeah, yeah, right yeah. or else I can't do it but I've been stuck there for like several minutes yeah. just going six five three and then just kind of <laughs> and it doesn't work what the f- did i get wrong and then i think somebody said to my said to me in chat no that's not the way you do it i'm like that's the way i've done it so pretty much the only way i've done it is by brute forcing it apparently mm-hmm. um the other one just i'm going to mention it because it was kind of cute um also we haven't really mentioned like the, the most the later games is in village one of the treasure rooms is you have to shoot. You get a little bit of a teaser earlier on in the game, but you have to shoot the this fire brazier on a chain oh, to yeah. hit. Um, oh yeah! And then one of them, you have to you have to be. It's really hard because you have to be really quick on the on the guns, but you have to break a wall to also get something. I remember being stuck on that for a good long while. Um, mm. Where's the other one? Because it at the beginning of the game, it kind of gives you a really really easy one, right? You know, I think it said something stupid like, uh, you know, you have to light the way or something like that, you know. Um, but yeah, this one was kind of interesting because it was so hard. And you had to be so quick um, with with the shooting um, or, yeah, no, it's only shooting you could do it with. Uh, basically, you have to get right on the apex of the chain. So, yeah, those are those are my two. I would say that the... The, the, the remake two ones, that's a great safe shout. Because you need to do that. Like, yeah. it's not like it's an avoidable thing. Like, you get the... They're not... No, it's it, the no, no. keypad pieces. It, the keypad. So keypad actually, piece, I guess yeah. you don't need them. No, no, yeah, they're just if you want the extra items. Yeah. Right, yeah. Blockers. So not like you're a speedrunner. You yeah, don't, yeah, that's, yeah. That's a relief. Yeah. So, yeah. Steve, you need to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's loose. <laughs> I have it's, to get it. Interesting yeah. story on those. So when we made the when we released the board game uh, for two, we were invited to a RE2 launch party by Capcom, which we went to. And as part of that, this is before the video games landed, so everyone's really excited they've got some of the public there so it's in this cool little bar um, like this retro gaming bar in South London we're all there we're all hanging out one of the things uh, they did was bear in mind no one has seen this game at all they're like right here's a puzzle from the game we're going to give you 90 seconds to try and solve it <laughs> of, like this group of people watching and one random lucky person volunteers and goes up there right this German guy and he's like okay and she, and basically Kat is there the community manager and she explains right okay so here's the situation you need to do this is it see if you can open this puzzle lock, right? 
So you can imagine this person in a noisy bar and he's like pushed the bar and really identifies what the lights and bits and pieces are and he's like doing it and we're all watching and people are like, oh, do it this one, this is the one, everything else. And like this guy, eyes on the prize, like you can tell, blocked out everyone else and he literally goes, presses all the buttons and then goes, right, dum 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 and just does it. And he's like, that's some scary level of attention. Like literally just tried every single button once, went, right, now I know. And nice. just did it, and I just like I just looked at it. I was like, okay, you are like Galaxy Brain or something. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm I'm like you, Elder. I'm doing it. I'm talking and telling a story out loud. <laughs> Amazing. Um, okay, so someone has asked. Uh, apologies if this is common knowledge. I would like to know how you all got together and started first date break, please. Um, I think we have told some of this story in various different places. I don't know if we've ever put it on a podcast before, so yeah, why not? Um, so I actually looked back a little bit through history and I found on the 23rd of October 2018 oh, no. a Facebook message that I sent to Steve <laughs> who was a, fe- a fellow YouTuber at the time that's how we knew each other <laughs> and conversed about Resident Evil via Twitter and Facebook Messenger at the time Yeah. and I sent Steve a message at 8.55pm uh, on this day Get out. Hey, hey dude you're at work right now Steve said I'm on the bus back uh, on the bus back sup chief I said everything's fine no need to panic I was just having some musings recently and I was wondering if you'd be interested my brain has been forming ideas for a project of sorts one that I likely have no time or energy for (laughs) (laughs) but I wrote up some notes that may interest you again I may be crazy in it on my guess but hey ho sometimes the brain just gets set on an idea for a while (laughs) which I thought was quite funny Uh, and Steve was just like yeah let's do the thing yeah Um, and then sink or swim basically and I was like yeah okay I don't know who we're and then Steve suggested Jordan another YouTuber that I've done stuff with Sherwin who had also done stuff with for YouTube because of the board games uh, we all sat down in a discord call I'd all spoken to you a little bit before but none of you had spoken to each other we kind of like went through some of my ideas for the podcast and then we recorded an episode and the first episode came out on the 28th of November so just over a month later just going to um actually a second it was actually a Skype call was it a Skype call? Skype in 2018. I know we went to Discord pretty quick though, because obviously the idea of recording on the server was one of the things mm. was on that sort of document that still exists somewhere. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then so the thing of it is, and I, I may have said this before, is like if you were to go back and listen to early episodes of this podcast, and I I don't listen to anything that we put out after it's done, but I imagine them might sound a little bit different or maybe a little bit awkward because we didn't really know each other that well back then, which is kind of nice because basically like our friendships formed via making the podcast so that's pretty much how it got going you know we just kind of took a punt on it and now we are here about four years later <laughs> hating each other in person instead of running <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. and uh obviously you james and steve you knew each other for a little bit beforehand for a yeah few years. uh me and james have like been local to one other go to like local gaming events and from there it spiraled into let's play all the resident evil games before our e2 remake comes yeah. out let's play and other then, games too uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, and then I watched those videos. And I was like, James sure does love Rebecca. Let's yeah. talk about Rebecca. And then that snowballed. And then Kelsey joined the server one day and was like, I would like to help in any way I can. And there you go. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, I always tell this story because, like, I, I don't know if it's because my, my memory is awful, but I do remember um, doing that file reading and uh, mm. for the first the, episode, I think. The Keeper, I think. Was it the keeper? Mendez, you did. Yeah, Mendez, yeah. And um, I remember that happening and then being invited to the Rebecca Chambers one. And at that point, I wasn't staff. And yeah, I remember um, just one day being staff 
I remember w- waking up and, and I was part of first aid spray. <laughs> no. And I, I think I, I, I messaged Steve and I was like, what's happened? Or something. Like, uh, like, you know, and I'm like, oh, if you want, you could be... A, I'm like, oh, wow. That's that's, <laughs> I was, yes, of it course. It goes to show how quickly we started taking things sort of perhaps way too seriously for a dinky little podcast and how professionally <laughs> we take everything. Because I remember I asked if I could call you to ask if you would like to be part of the team. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And when you did that, I thought you were calling because you were struggling with something on Premiere. I remember. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yes, can you use it instead of me? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 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 that was very professional. Um, Oh, yeah. Uh, Do you know what was weird? Is that day you did that, I had a, I remember specifically we had a power cut for like three hours as well. I was really stressed out. Like, like we couldn't even get the oven to work and stuff like that and then you're like oh yeah did you want to come on board properly because I'd already been doing loads of stuff anyway yeah you've done villains haven't you yeah and like loads of the videos and things yeah. like that um, and I was like yeah of course they're probably <laughs> that's amazing and it was just like it was a weird thing where we, we do take it seriously yeah. like you're saying oh it's this dinky little podcast but well yeah we're passionate for it and so you know, when you care about it, moments like that mm-hmm. feel serious. And yeah, it was really, really nice to be asked to come on board. So did the electric start working and the clouds part? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. You know, everything fixed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the birds start singing to you, you know, the full Disney moment. Yeah, and then I think what was funny was uh, we were gonna make me an official member on the Reverse episode, and then- Yes, that's right. And then Reverse never came out. <laughs> I was like, I guess I'm not an official member. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, because you were like, oh, I don't want to announce that this, but here we go, we suppose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, yeah. It's fine. Oh dear. Uh, someone asked, uh, I've always wondered how you all managed to resist talking over each other, like a lot of opinion-related panels of people yeah. can do. Was this something discussed in advance as a podcast format, or did you just fall into this respectful talk, then listen behaviour? It's so nice that each person has a time to speak. Smiley face. We're all we're all pointing at Sai. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I guess I think <laughs> so. Partly, yes, I am to blame for that. But also, going back to what we were saying before, is that we didn't know each other particularly well. So I think everyone was a little bit like, "Do I speak now? I'm going to be respectful and wait for anyone else to talk." So I fell into a bit like, "You go now, then you go." But yeah, I think it was probably just something that I picked up from other podcasts anyway. And knowing you've got enough people on a podcast, yeah. the worst. The worst kinds of shows are the ones that fall apart because everyone is arguing and try, trying to get their bit in. That's yeah. fair enough, but everyone needs to. Yeah. I mean, you know, we also have like we have episodes where it's complete chaos, like the film. It is fun where I just clubs. like I can just stop, and let it go, and you all <laughs> do take your turns. You're not necessarily yeah. interrupting each other. But. Yeah, I, I think it's, you know we all we're all quite polite people. You know, speak for yourself. When it comes to <laughs> podcasts as well, we're, we're all British. Yeah, yeah. 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 we know how to it's keep. Very, very British first days for a podcast. Mm. Uh, Sherwin, this one is for you specifically. How does it make you feel knowing that Resident Evil The War Game goes through so much back and forth with Capcom to get approvals approvals on various items and yet Capcom allows such horrendous live action media? <laughs> and about six question marks. <laughs> um, so, I mean, a couple of things. One, actually, Capcom are really, really awesome to work with. We don't have that many back and forth at all. Uh, yep. There's a nice trust relationship with them uh, where they trust that we have a great deal of respect and knowledge of what the games are um, and we'll treat them quite reverently um, to a point I actually think that astonishes them sometimes. Um, 
and you know so therefore they don't necessarily need to go back and forth with us as much it's normally when we're sort of doing something a little bit more out there like hey can i turn our uh, kickstarter campaign to an open world project or, <laughs> or hey i'd like to uh, i'd like to recreate and give david ford a face that yeah sort of stuff, right um so that's normally where there's any sort of back and forth i think the the true answer with that is is that when we deal with Capcom, we're dealing with Capcom Direct. It's literally a very direct line between us and them. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I think you have other bits and pieces happening, like you know, the television shows and the movies and so on. I mean, I, I don't know the ins and outs of this, but what I imagine is that there's a chunk of Resident Evil which is owned by Sony or whoever else. Um, that Constantine have like, rights, yeah, don't they, to exactly. live action. So, so, so. I, so I don't know how much control Capcom are able to exert over that mm. um, you know, as part of what that is. And as I imagine, therefore, if that's the case, there's a whole bunch of very different processes that have to be followed. Mm. And I think a lot of that is not necessarily having the control or a veto to say, no, this can't be the way because this yes. is it. And I think that that's the first element. The second one is obviously what we do is generally an adaptation or a recreation of something existing, which is a very... Um, very physical and very kind of you know like if you're remaking a game we all know the ins and outs of the game every single person on this podcast everyone listening to this podcast will probably tell you every detail of what that game is so it's a very finite and controlled thing Mm. if you're creating something new then there's more of a well one there's much more runway in front of you in terms of where you want to go yeah Um, but the other element is obviously you don't have to you know how do you adhere to something that you don't know where you're going with because it's brand new so I think that also Mm. comes into it as well Definitely, absolutely. So about that politeness then. Hmm. Not a single one of us interrupts you, shall we? So the Mutant Man asked a bunch of questions, so thank you to them. Uh, a lot of them are really, really good. So let's kick off with, if SD Perry was contracted to adapt one more Resident Evil game to a book, which would you prefer it to be? Kelsey, what Resident Evil game needs a book? Um, yeah, I, I should say I haven't read all of the SD Perry books, but... If I wanted a book version, I think I would say seven, just because huh. like I would be cool. Like I seven is not my favourite game, um, but seven brought a lot of Resident Evil back that I thought had been missing, and I just think you know in terms of that setting and the family and everything, kind of it's so self-contained, and it would just make for a much more interesting book than anything like Resident Evil Six, which is this globe-trotting <laughs> just. That would be- yeah, I don't okay. want to say nonsense, but you know, um, but yeah. So, so a game like Seven, and like I love Village, but I think even that branches into a bit more kind of you know, like a bit too chaotic maybe for mm. my liking. But I think for a book, you something that's close to like some, something Stephen King might write. Uh, Seven and you know the, the location and the characters and that I think would be amazing to expand yeah. upon in a book and just for what it's worth a TV series I think it could work I might have mentioned mm. that before but yeah definitely seven it's a good re-entry if they were to rehire it's like right yeah. here's the sort of more recent stuff and also uniquely that would probably be the only book in the series that's written from one perspective yeah it would all be about from Ethan. Ethan's perspective mm. which is probably what it should be because it's obviously a big part of the game yeah. so mm. that would be cool yeah. see I'm going to be facetious okay right. you're going to have to re- remake the idea too of RE6, right? yeah, okay. you poop with RE6 I say go for that one make it a three part <laughs> epic yeah, so, so it's like Lord of the Rings um, you know, SD Perry's Lord of the Rings with zombies uh, parts of one book here, yeah, parts yeah, of book here to yeah. get the order right. But no, no. The only reason I would say is because if it was, if she was to do something on that monumental scale, because it's a global crisis, yeah, right. She can also have tie up. If, assuming she gets one shot, this is her last oh, round well, of the magnum. Going. She gets to write off the entire story, yeah, and she's got the entire world to play with, yeah, right. 
I know RE6 is a convoluted mess. It makes Dark Souls like a coherent, straightforward narrative, <laughs> all right? But it, it, there's, uh, there's lots of hanging plot threads regarding like Rogue Stars, Groups, uh, Trent, and all this mm-hmm. stuff throughout the Perryverse itself, its unique DNA, which lends itself to the, the espionage thriller stuff underneath RE6, which as crazy as it sounds, I think could work. It means you have to explain what happened in 4 and 5 off screen or off page, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I would go for the, the manic mess there is, so you can just do everything and tie up every, you know, every Basically make it better is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. Plus you can kill off Wesker in that and then it's done. He's gone. It's a fair point. Sherman? Survivor. Yes. Mm. Great choice. Uh, I think there's a whole bunch of different stuff that would work really well um, as literary devices mm. in that book. Uh, oh, sorry, in that game. I think it's much more Will ha- uh, her wheelhouse from what I've read of her previous stuff anyway yeah. um, much more yeah and this is not intended in a derogatory way much more smaller focus yeah. rather mm, than yeah. trying to expand on a larger universe which mm. is just massive and sprawling and difficult to get hold of yeah. mm. it's much more like a very self-contained punchy kind of mm. episode or something um, so yeah I think that would work really well that's mine as well because yeah. I feel like you do a good job of what little we get out of those characters we get a little more insight into who right. some of those characters are yeah. and it has one of the best stories in the series even though it's unfortunately trapped in Survivor in some people's eyes but like the cutting into children's brain stuff is pretty dark and she does her like scary gory stuff very well the so, evil science yeah I'd love to see more of that basically mm. James um mm, I think Seven and Village would be a great double like they could, mm. you could make that into a a, a nice story because you know it lends perfectly to a good story because you've got the slow ramp up of the house and then you've got your third act which would be you know um, after the castle in village interesting and like I think that but I don't want to because we've already mentioned um, seven um, I think re four and I think re four because there's not a lot of information about that game true also true and, <laughs> and she loves talking about fossils and uh, you know <laughs> that game I just I'm just I just want more about the fossil that we find in RE4 um, and I think well, she, I know, this is where the uh, the T-Rex yeah. the came from yeah. the fossil in Spain and I think she she would have lended a way better like uh, description she, she would have lent way better to the characterization of the story rather than what the game did which was awful in my opinion I don't you know in terms of who the characters were and who we knew them as um, Leon is a big one you know I like I like Leon in RE4 but he's not Leon that we all know he's guiding um, Leon it's got yeah. green blood I bet you <laughs> <laughs> but you know so it would have been nice you know could we we definitely we would have got some uh, like prior knowledge of what he'd been up to mm. maybe why he'd become this way um, or even she might have dumbed him down a little bit we might have got a little bit more information on Ada Wong maybe a little bit more on like the the origins of I mean yeah we're always wanting him more Ada Wong but um, maybe might have got more origins about the, the prior life to to the to the village yeah. uh, that that happened as well kind of like what we got with Ari Village when you finish the game you get well, like yeah, a full Ari story a thing where you see like this is what it was yeah. like yeah, yeah you could do something with that like it just would have been really really nice yeah there's it literally like even after playing that game I feel like Ari 4 is still a blank canvas <laughs> yeah. yeah like in terms of what you can do with it the like, monster design and the gameplay is second to none but um, everything else SD Perry could have really grown mm. grown and, and grown um, expanded on 
Just, you know, just on that, just throwing out there, that's the reason why the, the Parasite in RE4 can't take root in Leon and really isn't really that much of a threat, even though despite the characters talking about it a bit, is because there's already a Parasite in there with green blood, and that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. Actually, the, the actual real story of RE4 is those two Parasites fighting each other. <laughs> I, just wish, I just wish we had more of those books. You know, like so many other big franchises, you know, Resident Evil is a huge franchise, and it feels like those books are... It's like, oh, that's it. There's those books there, and that's it. Why there's not just mm. more mm. all the time? Mm. I don't understand. You, you know, you mentioned Village. Mm. I would love to read a book about Village. You know, ha- with how they, you know, all started getting tested yeah. on, and you know, particularly Lady D and stuff like that, and just that character stuff. Because I love the monster stuff. I've mentioned before. It's all, it's great. But seeing them go through the yeah. stuff to get there, it's perfect for a book because you don't really want to play a game of. Lady D's, you yeah. know, the stuff that she's going through. Um, so it makes sense, and I don't know why we don't get it. I really don't. As you know, there's like a 50 million Star Wars books now, right. and Halo it's... books. There's like 20 Assassin's Creed books. Yeah. Yeah. Really? All these are Yeah, I think the key thing you're talking about there is is the games you just, oh, sorry, the IPs you just mentioned. They're all American licenses, very different yeah. approach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Was very, sure. That's fair. Resident Evil was very much rude in Japanese, mm. yeah, in Capcom Japan, yeah. and uh, there's there's other issues that yeah they like to be more protective. Yeah, okay. it makes sense. It makes sense. It's just a shame because I think there's so much there, you know. There's always arguments about canon and stuff like that, and I'm not saying the books need to be canon, but just you know, it's like with Alien as well. When we read these other things, mm. like so, j- I uh, on James's recommendation have been working my th- way through like loads of alien novelizations and audio dramas as well and it's just like increased my love for the franchise for a franchise I didn't think I could love anymore there's some stuff that's like oh that wasn't great but there's some stuff that was like this is better than anything in any of the movies and stuff like that so there's it's a missed opportunity and I wish that those books weren't just kind of locked to whenever the last one came out early 2000s or something so Mm. yeah is it Covernic or Zero which it ends on which means it's like a flashback to the beginning that's not yeah. referenced yeah yeah Covernic is the most recent in the story and then Zero came after that which obviously mm. is set way before but yeah then there's a sudden drop off I think yeah Sherwin hit the nail on the head with the fact that it's more difficult because it's yeah. a Japanese license it's, it's funny it's a shame because I don't know if we talked about it in Book Club how Resident Evil was one of the first series to actually go let's make a bunch of books about the games and spinning off from yeah. the games and now as you say it's a big thing that Halo, Gears, mm-hmm. Assassin's Creed, they're yep. all done, but yeah. Yeah. truthfully, it, you know, American. Yeah. yeah, Gears just had another book last year. I think that's nine books yeah. now. That I can believe it. Has had. Yeah. Yeah. It, w- it would be great to get some young talent as well. Like, yeah. Know, like for well, people who were fans of the game as well. Yeah. I was, sometimes you might think, hey, maybe you shouldn't bring on fans, but there are fans who are good writers, mm. like, you know, as well. So, you know. It's one of those things where, not to get way off track, but like, if they made it so made it its own contained thing, yeah, mm. uh, it'd be fine, and it would upset people way less than the Netflix show did because it's just a bunch of books. Yeah. You know, it won't be quite. People would just be like, eh, and move on, unlike the TV show. Who's Ethan like, Winters person? <laughs> I mean, some people do still get mad. There's a thing in one of those Alien books where, like, Ripley actually got found like during that time she was drifting in the right, 40s yeah. and then has her memory wiped, oh, and so God. people are like, what? Yeah, How okay, dare they do that? Yeah. But yeah. but that end, that ending part is annoying. But the story that she's in it's like I don't mind they just did it it's his own little thing yeah there's an interesting thing with that and we are going off down a random (laughs) tangent I also don't care because I have more about memory (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually okay with stuff like that like can you imagine if you found the ship and they find Ripley on it 
and then by the end of the like, they might spend the entire book like running around on the ship Ripley never wakes up and then by the end of the book they've gone yeah. and then you would never know anything's happened that's kind that's of cool, cool. Well, yeah. I, I'm, I'm yeah. good with that idea yeah. Um, yeah and especially if you were to able to find like one thing from the from like the from the ship like one strange look from Ripley something that might have moved or something rather like, yeah, for yeah. example that'd be cool yeah. um, one of the best Star Wars or there's three of them but two of them are the ones that resonate with me the most there's the, the best Star Wars novels um, is Tales from Mos Eisley Cantina and Tales from Jabba's Palace right. and, and, and basically what they sat down and did let's use the Mos Eisley one for as an example right so they, they took the cantina scene they went saw all of these different aliens who are in the thing and basically said to a bunch of people right short story anthology pick one of the aliens Perfect. write their story of yeah. how they got to here and then basically show the scenes from the, from the cantina could be that's what it leads up to could be that's a starting point and then you find out what the end did afterwards yeah. could be in the middle whatever works for you mm. and then basically you can use that to flesh out the character however you want because these are unknowns for the yeah. most part mm. um, you know and Greedo's in there and so you know, what's his cool. face Doctor I can't remember his name but the guy who doesn't like you know, doesn't <laughs> like you either <laughs> that guy yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah they, they kind of threw that in there it's really interesting just seeing the creativity of people talking that's about really it cool. like reading like the band actually were originally on planet because of Jabba and escape from his palace and stuff like that. Was, <laughs> is it canon? Who cares? No, this is fun. I was yeah. just going to say it does not matter because yeah. then even for you, if you enjoy it, the next time you watch the movie, you'll be like, oh, you'll yeah. think about yeah. that story. Yeah, 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 yeah. So sure. much more context. Yeah, yeah. No, so so yeah. shout out to everybody. Go find those books. They're awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, also, there's a similar one in the Alien series called Bug Hunt. Um, which uh, kind of follows a bunch of clonal marines and the history of everything and again it elevates your watch of aliens mm, um, yeah. if you watch it because you know where the pulse rifle came from mm. you know what these marines have dealt with before as well like they these guys are not green and if you watch that if you watch bug well, sorry watch if you listen or you read it you'll you get to know but yeah we have yeah. especially good if there's like a touch point with the source material at some point I could yeah. see a really awesome Resident Evil novel set at the point of the outbreak in the Spencer Mansion, whereas you're a couple see a couple of researchers, yeah. yes. you know they are doomed from yeah. the start. Yeah. Mm. But yeah. yeah, maybe not. Maybe a couple of them do get away. You don't know the answer to that. Point is, is that if you can then have enough touch points where it can explain why is that, you is throw that, in a name like Henry Sarton or whatever. It's like yeah. that guy wrote that yeah. book. Yeah. You know, yeah. Or, or yeah, or you even have like a, you can do really awesome things like oh yeah, we found like you know Ted, you know, the old Ted the Gardener or whatever. We trapped him in this room, and then that way people will then play the game. That's why that zombies in that room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That sort of stuff. Brilliant. I, I love tie-ins like that. In yeah. that Rivers of Blood book, um, or whatever, River of Pain. I River just finished that one. Yeah, yeah weeks ago. But spoilers for River of Pain, aliens. Uh, there's the, it happens during the Hadley's Hope disaster, and it like yeah. well, it's pretty. Turns out some people actually get out alive. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, and you could just happily have people escape the Spencer Estate and like the downfall of the mansion. Yeah, 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 I'd love that. I mean, we we could say what 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 if what was Umbrella doing during the outbreak, and then that's a podcast for the future. Operation yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so we are going to get off Resident Evil for a couple of questions. Uh, somebody asked, "What is everyone's favourite game that isn't a Resident Evil game?" Uh, we might have covered these in various places, including you know our own Twitter feeds. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, Kelsey, go. Um, it's so difficult. I mean, picking a favourite anything is difficult, really. Um, like you know this broad I would say if I had a gun to my head my favourite game that isn't Resident Evil would be uh, Metal Gear Solid 3 which I know is nice. kind of a boring choice um, there's like hundreds of games that maybe were even more impactful for me um, but I don't know it's something about it that I think that's so close to perfection that game there's a couple of things that maybe don't work for me but 
I, the main I've told I might have told this story before the main thing that still sticks with me to this day is the first time I played MGS3 uh, so obviously it was on PS2 uh, you know pop it in play I think you're playing for like I think I played for like four hours and then the opening credits roll <laughs> and that didn't really happen on those yeah. PS2 games back in the day and I think yeah. I just sat back and had to take a moment and was you know blown away and all the stuff that happens like when he loses his eye and things like that yeah it's I think that's Kojima's high point is MGS3 and I think lots of people think the story is over the gameplay I think the gameplay is great um, some of the camouflage stuff maybe not so but yeah I, if I had to pick one MGS3 mm. best sniper fight in the series fight me <laughs> uh, mine is Red Alert 2 and that's because it hits the joy center for me it's a simple RTS game where you're, you're fighting as the allied forces versus the evil soviets and they take over the US and destroy landmarks and it's just a simple game but it's just something that uh, is from a childhood that's mm-hmm. uh, I like base building games I like war simulation games it's got a rocking soundtrack <laughs> and uh, it <laughs> takes me straight back to the early 2000s where I had more hair and a lot more sugar in my drinks <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't know how else to describe it. it's just it's one of those it's like um, like my favourite movie still Transformers the movie it's nostalgia stuff like it, it's uh, the greatest movie ever made that is true <laughs> yeah. that's it I mean what other films start with mass genocide in the opening five minutes uh, you know it's for children <laughs> no but no yeah uh, Red Alert 2 I don't know why it's not sophisticated I would say it's definitely probably not going to be the highest brow choice on this table I mean we've already got high caliber stuff like MGS3 which in terms of gameplay stuff is like pretty up there even now that stuff with the end as well it yeah, just, there's yeah. just so much in that game yeah. it's just mm. nuts. so yeah I, I feel like Red Alert 2 is pioneering well, it's still what, what by it some it's considered the best M- um, MGS, the best RTS That's campaign it. to date because the way that they, they, the missions don't echo each other, but they echo each other enough that you can see this is what the Russians yeah. will be doing, this is what the Allies will be doing. Um, but the characters are all camp silly fun anyway, so you don't have to take it serious. Just blow yeah. stuff up <laughs> and build really nice looking bases. <laughs> Shall we? Vagrant story. Yes, you knew that was. Coming. I knew. Yes, yeah, I know. You totally knew that was coming. <laughs> um, I think I've talked about this before. Uh, Vagrant on the podcast. I mean. Um, Vagrant Story for me is it's a perfect example of exactly how long and how detailed a JRPG should be. Mm. It's not too sprawling, it's nice and contained in terms of the actual theme and spirit of it, um, which is really awesome. It's It's got a crafting system in it, but it's not massively overdrawn. It's not like you're literally looking at hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of items looking for super rare drops or anything. Yeah, um, It's got that nice sort of feel to it that because a lot of the stuff you can craft drops from random drops like actually there is kind of almost rather than that I'm going out there to go farm enemies kind of perspective to go get the exact things it's more like a, this is my experiential playthrough of this particular thing which is really mm-hmm. awesome um, I think it came like in terms of the extra graphics and the presentation of it and the sound and everything else it came out right at the end of the um, of the PlayStation era, really, so everyone knew exactly what the machine was capable of, and really pushed it to its limits. What this is, like, yeah. it's a beautiful, yeah. beautiful game. I know um, we I, were talking about it the other week because I was doing some research on it for some writing, and I didn't know that it was the only PlayStation One game rated by Famitsu a perfect score. Yeah, more okay, than it's... any other game on the PlayStation One with all those hits, yeah. uh, it got a perfect score. So yeah, I, I can't recommend it enough. It really is. I mean, like the the. Yeah, the storytelling, the the way it's self-contained, even the new game plus in terms of it opens up new areas. It's not just a simple playthrough mm-hmm. that we had before. The fact that the crafting system actually is robust enough that when yeah. you're playing it, um, you know, when you're in new game plus, there's still extra stuff to go to. You're not just playing with your power weapons now, and you're ignoring everything else. Mm-hmm. So, 
so yeah really solid I mean I should in interest of not repeating myself because I've done that before obviously the other game that I guess could give a shout out to of recent years is Fire Emblem Free Houses mm. um, because I really do love that game for me I think the reason why Free Houses is so good I mean the Fire Emblem games have been going on a very much an upward trajectory since Fire Emblem Awakening but for me, Three Houses was the step up that was the difference between Final Fantasy VI and Final Fantasy VII. Like, it's a right. whole new yeah. step where, where these games yeah. are going. Now, what's mildly disappointing, having seen Fire Emblem engage, is that they've got Colgate Chan and they seem to take <laughs> a step backwards to a really bad direction with that. So I'm not so much... I'll obviously be excited about seeing it and playing it. I will be, but it's I'm less enthused. It almost feels like they've not worked out what resonates so much for free houses yeah, with everybody and they've kind of instead just gone back to previous thing but that could just well be in the design to be fair mm. like hopefully that's the case and it's literally just one character's shoddy design it's like Pepsi Man yeah, yeah it's terrifying Pepsi Man <laughs> it really is bad um, there's no other way of saying it yeah it's so, pretty terrible yeah. anyway James I, I love Vagrant Story <laughs> um, however, I was too stupid to play that game. <laughs> You're never stupid, James. Uh, yeah, I feel like I was too young to play that game because the thing that... Um, it's very involved. Yeah, like I remember... The thing that drew my eyes to that game was the cover. Like mm. the cover on that game is spectacular. It's so pretty, uh, and it and it was and it stood out during a time when Final Fantasy was very popular as well. And like the art style is kind of very similar, but it still stood out. Um, yeah, so I love Vagrant Story. I love the characters in it. I love the combat system. I was, I was just too dumb. Um, but yeah, my favorite game. It's funny that I say like I was too dumb to play that. But my favorite game is Baldur's Gate, <laughs> which came out at a similar time. <laughs> um, no but, survival horror game, yeah. <laughs> yeah it can be if you want it to be. Yeah, try and play as a wizard. <laughs> That's survival horror. Um, yeah, uh, but yeah, Baldur's Gate. It start that this game is one of the first epic adventures that ever came out. It came out on like eight discs. Um, had an awesome sleeve. It was green, I remember, and he, like it had a different story on each. Like where you took the CD out and had like a little story behind it. Um, I remember physical so cases. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like when you start that game, it was perhaps the first game that I played where um, you know you start off and it's just chill. It's just nothing happening. You know, the tutorial level is immersed in the game. Like you're literally in like, Candlekeep, which is like this. Um, a place for nerds basically um, a library where all these books are kept from all the ages and you're a steward of a guy called Garion who um, who says you're special like but he he doesn't like want to give you a big ego so he's like you know he's just like calm yourself down you know if you get too egotistic and you know you to, tra to train you in combat you have to do like a little side quest I've got a bunch of rats in my basement you know it's like Standard. you know it's, it's very you know and then like oh, I need to teach you advanced combat and you know guard, guard captain uh, whatever your face is like is going to teach you advanced combat um, yeah and you get like there's a bunch of these little side quests and they just make sense and then you leave Candlekeep Garion says we need to leave right and you leave and your best mate MON says bye to you. You leave, you go into the first area and Garion gets murdered, <laughs> right? Mercilessly by this guy called Seravok. 
and you know but he does not go down without a fight your dad your your guardian your stepdad whoever Garan is to you like he absolutely but almost destroys this entire party other than Sherevok and you, at this point you're like I'm in this this guy's going down yeah. he killed my dad yeah. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> but then it's it's more than that uh, this was after the time when the god of death um, played a game of knuckle bones with three mortal men uh, because he'd fed up, he, he was fed up of being the god of death right and he didn't want to do it anymore so he was like you three you're going to be the god of death you're going to be of murder you're going to be a betrayal you're going to be of something else kind of what it was um, and yeah uh, unfortunately that threw everything into uh, a mixing pot and it turns out that you are um, <laughs> you're a spawn of one of these uh, one of these gods and you can either be good or you can be bad <laughs> like it's it, it's it was part of the team uh, part of the Bioware team Black Isle like before they were Bioware um, you can have romances you can build relationships you can just you can just kill anyone you want right? <laughs> you know or you can keep everybody alive if you want um, there is no crafting system uh, at all because this is a set world after a catac cataclysmic event, right? So there isn't much of that, but there is so much in this game um, that I love. Um, it is the beginning of my love for D&D, even though it's AD&D, which is technically second edition. Um, you know, if you play Baldur's Gate, you will learn more about D&D, um, not just mechanics, but you'll learn more about D&D than you will like from playing Baldur's Gate 3, right, or any other kind of RPG, because it teaches you storytelling and, like, you know, being patient and relationships and how to deal with them, role-playing, um, if you want to. Yeah, and it's, it's all set in this, like, really nice, tight, compact story um, where, you know, I mean, I say tight, you can go off and do your own thing. The game gives a really good illusion of a huge, sprawling world, um, kind of similar to Dragon Age Origins does where you have instances and the, each instance is huge um, and they all have their own little mini dungeons in them just like a D&D adventure um, yes that is my favourite game ever uh, well, <laughs> I'll my, play it yeah. mine by comparison is a very linear RPG <laughs> no less so, valid though yeah so a few years ago I when I was turning 30 I just did this thing called 30 for 30 which I totally ripped off from a friend where every week I was like you know what I'm going to actually figure out what my favourite games are and I'm going to rank them down from 30 down to 1 so Resident Evil 2 was number 1 that's obviously uh, number 2 was Final Fantasy 7 yes uh, and that partly was there because if people ask me what is the best game ever made if you have to have an answer to that and I don't think there is an answer to that that is my default answer I was like well ergo surely it's number two uh, yeah and for reasons that a lot of you have kind of said where it's just like it just came into my life at the right time the music more than anything else has stuck with me until today uh, and the characters it's just a game that I can, I can keep going back to despite being pretty flawed and kind of outdated in certain parts. You know, it's very easy to manipulate the battle system. Some of the translation stuff is pretty dire. Uh, let's mosey, etc. I love that line. <laughs> That's definitely what you want to say before the final boss. <laughs> let's mosey. Let's mosey. Uh, but yeah, no, I just it's one of those things. It's just it's nostalgia, and you can't pick it out. So it's, it, it is what it is. But 
on a non-nostalgic choice, I think everyone already knows who I tweet about it often enough. I think I've said before, I have said before, if we weren't doing a Resident Evil podcast, I would probably be off somewhere doing a Horizon podcast. Probably with you guys at least. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that game came, uh, probably the same thing, where it was like, it came at the right time, and just the same thing with Resident Evil, where it's the story in the first game alone is incredible. We'll see where it goes from there. Uh, but yeah, it's, there you go. Uh, <laughs> so I tweeted, uh, ask us any question about Resident Evil first day spray or what our favourite Pokemon is so somebody has asked what's your favourite Pokemon yes. <laughs> Kelsey Gengar um, nice yes easy. Ghostly Trio are my three favourite Pokemon um, I know yeah it's one of the original lineup, but I just think I don't know I just think there's something uh, so badass about yeah, Gengar nice, seems like a little rebel um, massive <laughs> grin yeah yeah always having fun yeah yeah <laughs> Eating yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's like a perfect design. Like it's got the right amount of cute but darkness. Yeah. Um, Evil Clefable. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's pretty straightforward. And now, yeah, any playthrough of Pokemon, it's like that's like my main thing. Like, right, let's get them in, get them in. So yeah, Gengar for me. Oh god, I see. I, I, I'm a G. I'm not intentionally, but I seem to be a G oneer with yeah. this. You know, I won't play G-wanner. red and blue. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I, I do I, have a runner up, but I'll let you finish. And then, oh no, go, no, go, go, I just say, I just say, Cubone is my second one. But yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. See, uh, as a result, my is more the anime series. So I have an affection for Bulbasaur. I was actually yeah, I rate the Bulbasaur got passed over from Venusaur in the Smash Bros. game. Okay. <laughs> because uh, Bulbasaur is a cute, annoying, scrappy-do-like thing that's got vine whip and it just looks adorable. Like an angry dinosaur with an onion on its back. Also in the show, he's a real bro. As well. Yeah, he's got big time bro energy. Yeah, yeah. I look Bulba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He brings a smile to my face every time I hear that phrase. Yeah. Brobasaur. Yeah, <laughs> here it is. Secret character from Broforce. Yeah, that we were introduced to last night. Yeah, there's a bonus episode coming soon on that. <laughs> Bronus episode? Anyway. Yeah. Bronus episode. It just gives it, it yourself so well too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So failing that, it would be Jigglypuff again for its anime portrayal of this very passive aggressive psychopath whenever you interrupt his singing. Um, I just think nice. comedy relief, comic relief characters and bros, that, that's, my, that's my thing apparently. Did, did you ever see the episode of the of cartoon, I imagine you did, where there was the giant Jigglypuff. Yeah. And for some reason, because it was giant, it had like weird black stripes on it. And because it was like. <laughs> <laughs> it was basically like death metal. Yeah, exactly. It was amazing. Well, like the tattoos and like the death, you know, thing. Big time arts and chains. So mine is now hopelessly populist um, because <laughs> when I played the original games, I, I played with. Well, I, I mean, I played through what I had Pokemon Red, then Silver, uh, played. Uh, Sapphire and then I kind of started to lose track a little bit after yeah. that um, but yeah I really liked the Eevee when I first found them now that's annoying because Eevee since has become like you know it's, it's kind of like the corgi of the Pokemon <laughs> world, um, and since then it's become massively populist yeah. which is a bit of a shame but of those I really like Vaporeon Ah, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah because yeah, that was yeah. my first Eevee evolution I had. Yeah. Uh, it was a little Pokemon called Seven Dust. Um, and, oh, cool. Good, and, I like and, it. And it's, I obviously gave it its Water Stone, and its its health shot up to insane levels, and I, managed, I remember looking at it going, oh, it's amazing. <laughs> um, but if I wanted to go away from that, because I should do, um, 
I am a sucker for a Nido King for exactly nice. the same reason. Nido King, I don't know if you got, I mean, anybody who played Red will remember the graphic for Nido King. Yeah. It literally looks like Godzilla. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, and I remember I gave it its Moonstone, it evolved. Didn't realize how much I was nerfing the crap out of it. Because it doesn't learn anything on Red after you've done, you done that. So literally, it got thrashed straight away, which was insane at the level I had which is like level 20 something <laughs> so Thrash is just annihilating everything in front of it um, which was really sad when I then got like I think it was Pokemon Coliseum the first time you see it actually how big it is and I'm like oh you're kind of crap like, <laughs> you, you were Godzilla like you filled up the entire screen with like just how massive you were and then I realised because Red's massive issue it has is that it doesn't show scale for Pokemon yeah. very well and then kind of looked at it and I was like oh you're kind of crap it wasn't, it wasn't as disappointing as like evolving up that Dratini all the way up through Dragonair, uh, suffering through that thing, <laughs> and then getting up to a Dragonite and going, is that you? Like, yeah. You look kind of like a Moomin. I'm not really, <laughs> not really like a Moomin. Like, I thought I was going to get actually something good after getting here. Anyway. Um, my favourite Pokemon is Abra. Yeah. Good choice. And, it, and it's Abra because every time I start a new playthrough of the original games... Um, I got, of course, I got Pokemon Blue. Um, it was because I spent so many hours at Nugget Bridge trying oh, to catch Abra. Like, <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't try. And I call, I, by the way, my first Abra that I caught was called Nugget. Because <laughs> they look like Nuggets. <laughs> and I, and I never, because I had no friends, I never trained it. So I, I never got, um, you know, Alakazam or Kadabra. Like, but to be honest, Abra is enough. Like Abra, <laughs> Abra, yeah. I spent so many hours trying to get Abra. Man, it was sad when it evolved. Yeah, oh, right, I yeah. You and you're look, an Abra. Look how ugly you are now, like <laughs> my boy. <laughs> um, yeah, and Abra has always been a, a mainstay of my my team to go into like the six with. Like it's just a very strong Pokemon, mm-hmm. and it's cute. And I put a lot, always put a lot of time into it. So, yeah, if I was going to choose a quick runner-up, different. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, if, um, Dave. Yeah, no. Jinx. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> no. Side Absolutely not. Absolutely. We don't talk not. about Jinx. <laughs> I, uh, I would say Togepi actually, because oh, nice. yeah, yeah. Okay, there was something so like enigmatic about Tony yeah. I think yeah. yeah also I had a little I don't have them anymore um, I don't know where they disappeared to but I had a little plush of Togepi yeah. mm. but same with it I think lots of the uh, deep I was going to say devolutions versions but those new versions that came out like in gold and silver like mm. with Pichu and stuff it was like baby what yeah. There's, yeah there's a baby yeah. one like, I, I, I do like a, a lot of people will probably expect me to say Rowlet right but like mm. I do love Rowlet Rowlet is one of my favourite Pokemon to look at um, but, but there's like but there's so like there's so many again Rowlet right it's evolutions are awful right but Rowlet's base is like superior right but yeah I've got so much more history with Togepi and Abra what's the name of that uh, sheep one that's in Sword and Shield that we're banging about Oh, oh mer, mer, no, no, no! The new one, I think it's new. Oh, uh, Wulu. Yes, I know they're like meant to be like the Rastar of that game, but they look adorable. Yeah, <laughs> also, a fantastic name. Yeah, uh, Wulu. So I'm glad <laughs> we went to the same place. <laughs> nice. I'm, I'm glad that you said Togepi because uh, I've got one that isn't from Generation One, <laughs> at least. Mine, I'm going to be the, the Gen Zer and pick something really new. But <laughs> I mean, to, Togepi is basically Gen One. Well, it's practically, yeah, but at least it isn't. The, yeah. So 
my sort of runner up because I could never actually pick uh, a favourite but the closest to a favourite for a long time was uh, Praise the Venomoth no. <laughs> <laughs> I just love I love moths in general yeah. But I, I remember in middle school, uh, it was like a textiles class, and I like, make a little tiny crap pillow, like the size of your hand. There's not really much of a cushion, is it? And I made a bit of that one, so uh, that goes to show, I guess. But my actual answer, funny enough, is an EV evolution, oh. and it's Sylveon. Fairy type is a boss, carried me through X and Y to the point where when I start a new Pokemon game, I'll always use something new, unless there's a Sylveon, in which case they're coming in my team. Also, it's Transpride Eevee. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it can't get better than that. <laughs> okay, uh, so some in-depth Resident Evil questions next. Oh, wow, here we go. In all seriousness, regardless of how much you like or dislike the idea, do you think we might actually be getting Wesker clones in an upcoming game? I'm going to say I think we, we might do. Yeah. I mean, I think since the show, since this Netflix show did it, I feel like <laughs> that idea... I don't think that idea has come from nowhere. I think it's been floating around in the background mm. and I think Resident Evil has struggled to find the new villain and it happens in so much media, in so many movies, they bring people back and it's been a while. It, I'm not saying it's going to happen with Resident Evil 9, but I think it's going to happen. And as for how <laughs> I feel about it, I mean, I don't know. I think it just depends. It depends how it's executed. My initial instinct is to go no it's bollocks no no you should you know build up something else and something more you know something new but I think if we're going to get a send off for a long overdue send off for people like Chris I think Wesker has to come back one more time and I think it potentially be a clone uh, yeah. and they will both be sent off together and it sounds just crazy to say but I would take it if it drew a line under it and so we just got past program. it yeah, rather maybe. than us talk about it. And I could see, I don't see how else they'd do it. That You'd know, they mm. you'd be like, okay, they rebuild him or something, but rebuild him how? I mean, it's still going to be kind of a clone. So mm. whether there's loads of clones like the series did, which, although silly, I sort of kind of enjoyed in a weird way, but I think a clone Wesker... We've already seen kind of clones in Resident Evil. Yeah. I, think, I think it will happen. I don't really like I'm it. I'm going to get mine in early that yeah. I agree with you in the sense that you look at the fact that he's just had his own Dead by Daylight chapter. Yeah. It's named after him, essentially. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, like, he's obviously... He's like floating around, isn't he? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, Capcom yeah. still know, and the Wesker character was the lead of the show. So, yeah, yeah obviously, it's still hugely important to Capcom. I think... and. What about End of Village in the helicopter? Are we thinking that this is a maybe thing that's real, or is it just was this like asset reuse, or is it really a clone of you know? I don't know how to feel about and, that. Yeah, that would be hard to twist the knife. That would, I, that would be perfect. I think the RE4 is going to kind of put some plant the seed for that. Plant the yeah, seed yeah. that the clone that Wesker is looking into cloning, and then RE9 yeah. is going to and that they are going to follow up in RE9. That that's what RE4 is going to do. Be yeah. like, right, this is the next game, and then we bounce to the future you know the present day or whatever and that's it whether or not that revives him and kills him off in one game I expect actually probably yes yeah. but yeah, I think I, Chris I, will I go with this. <laughs> I think it's coming I would like that at least if yeah. they do do it then you're right they need to do it and then be done with it but I <laughs> I don't know if they could, would go to that extent considering they still use his character and stuff will they go 
he's back and now he's just back forever he's just back back well I don't yeah I, I hope it's not that I mean, they're just going to look at what's pop, popular I mean maybe it wasn't popular but you know they brought Palpatine back in episode 9 so oh, Resident Evil 9 oh. is the Palpatine Wesker so oh, yeah I don't like it but I can definitely see it happening I don't think it's that scary oh no they'll never do that yeah I think they probably will mm. <laughs> mm. I'm unfortunately in agreement like I don't want it to happen but I can see somehow Albert has returned. It's definitely going to be a meme. I, uh, I, I really wish they could just find a way to get off this crux of not killing a bad guy after one game and <coughs> let him develop long enough to be that level of threat. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, we said this in the Villains podcast, Simmons, if he'd have lived, yeah. would have been... potential. Yeah, 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 he's literally like the anti-colour scheme for Wesker. He looks like the KFC man. Yeah. But he also <laughs> was the, the, the architect of it all, really. Uh, and he literally could not die in that game. We still think you can yank him off that pillar, he might still turn back on. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't want Wesker to come back, but I can see it happening. Because I, I feel like his story has been told, we know the ins and outs, we know everything about him. Mm. He literally can only exist to upset Chris and then die fighting Chris. It's like, yeah, let's bring Freezer back. Goku beats him up all the f***ing time. You know, well, can we have a new villain, please? Um, yeah, I'm not happy about it. I can see it definitely happening. Like everyone said, the red flags are all there. Project yeah. W um, is probably the big one, right? The Netflix series with the three clones. Mm. We, I don't see them going that route with like three mouldy, knocked off clones. Eh? I have opinions. You, you have opinions, James. But I'll let Sherwin go first. Aww. That's okay, it might be quick. I mean, I don't really have a horse in this race. I don't mm. really care so much. <laughs> um, I really don't. Uh, I think, for me, Resident Evil has proven that it's, you know, Capcom slash Resident Evil, whichever way you want to look at it, has more than more than proved that it is A, jump the shark with Wesker, and B, jump the shark with science. So mm-hmm. it wouldn't be surprised to me if it happened. No. Mm-hmm. But unlike the rest of the people sitting at this table... I'm fairly ambivalent to it like ultimately yeah. Wesker for me is I was never that much into Wesker as a character anyway um, you know fit Resident Evil 1 that's absolutely fine but you know being the OG trilogy guy that I am like by the point where Wesker started basically looking like a really shoddy extra from the Matrix I just checked out completely yeah. so yeah whatever um, I don't like it um, but they would they would need to twist it like his leeches no <laughs> what, what I think they could do is they could um, they could we could have a bishop situation like from aliens <laughs> well, so, so like Chris meets him and he's actually okay he's actually he? an alright guy yeah right but well, he does bleed white and he's stabbing like, <laughs> yeah. he's stabbing, well, he's stabbing what's, what's the is it Veronica with a broken knife uh, with a what's the one with the knife is that the super busted weapon yeah, so Code Veronica. Yeah, yeah Code Veronica. So like, actually, oh, yeah, got, yeah, yeah, so I actually, he's got the busted knife from Code Veronica. <laughs> and stabbing the shit. How are you doing, Chris? I, yeah. I did. <laughs> like, I think, I think it would be neat um, if it, if Chris was more aggro, right? And they they basically because uh, I I agree with with Kelsey. I think they should like. I think it should be the end, like whatever it is, mm-hmm. right? And I think if there's going to be one clone of Wesker, there's going to be several. Um, but I think at least one or two of them should be good. Like the Netflix series essentially implied. Uh, kind of, right. But I think Chris should think that they're bad. Like- See, I'm going to give you a different plot twist. How about you have this thing where you you meet 
like the two of them could together and you realise the entire time Chris has actually been the bad guy Wesker's been the good guy <laughs> I've always known this show and and that's, and I've that's always great. known this if I just stop, if I stopped into an age old argument <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, I could see that that's kind of an interesting thing but I mean you know at that point so much of the identity of Wesker is a bad mm. guy like that would yeah, just get rejected yeah, yeah. by the fans not that you know we should be purely led by that but that's, that's, what, that's why I, like, that's why I say there should be bad ones right like, or there should be one bad one there should be one that everybody can go so it's Wesker Margin Boo now you're it's a bad like, person right but <laughs> yeah. I think you know it, it just you know because I, I feel like the, the trope of bringing bad guy back because bad guy and then kill bad guy is like really Nikolai's boring right there you know Nikolai's right there right yeah drinking with his money. you can't make a work better bad guy than, than Nikolai Nikolai's <laughs> by far and away the best <laughs> It just is. Yeah, like, no, I can't. I don't think the thing is they've already they've already killed bad guy. Yeah, in Wesker, he literally died of a volcano. Like you, you've already you've given him the biggest send off. The main problem with Capcom right Two now two rockets to the head and a volcano is walking that off. <laughs> the main problem with Capcom right now is that they're really bad at making villains. Right, well, and keeping keep up with alive. them. Right, <laughs> it's like Miranda was a great villain. Right, and I loved Miranda. Right, um, but they. She died, you know, and she'd lived for over a hundred years. Like, and you know, she until she met Ethan Winters. Exactly, like <laughs> <Her> she. <nemesis. laughs> and then we, you know, we we hear about we hear about con- the connections, you know, and then that goes nowhere, and then it's just fobbed off in some side note. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that is something. I mean, you guys know when we had when we like when Resident Evil Seven came out, and then Village, and then I was so hyped for the connections, mm. like, and the family. I was so I was like, oh, this is so this is b- much bigger than we imagined it to be. Right, and if they can, if they, you could connect Wesker to the connections, but now we. Well, I want to just like say that Capcom needs to play into the fandom's obsession with Wesker and have a flunky in universe so obsessed with him, makes his own knockoff clone. It's nothing like Wesker. <laughs> yeah, I mean that'd be cool, Daniel Fabrone. <laughs> but it, to answer the question, yeah, I think it's going to be Wesker clones, but I'm not going to be happy with it. My unfortunately, my brain, you saying Matrix, and you seeing saying loads of clones of Wesker in my brain now. <laughs> The big burlet rules become Chris Redfield. <laughs> hundreds of Westerners. That's how Resident Evil Nine ends. Mr. Fighting Redfield. Hundreds of Westerners. Yeah, Chris exactly. Redfield's eternal torment is punching boulders for the rest of his yeah, unnatural life. Anyway, it's just a Sisyphus. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like with it. boulders, has to punch it up a hill. Yeah. <laughs> so. What changes do you think they'll make to the merchant in Resident Evil 4 Remake? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I think the the main change they will make is that I think they will have more involvement with the story. I think like the Duke did in Village. You know, the Duke was the merchant, but there was backstory there. Mm. He fed parts of the story. I think the merchant in the original RE4 is just it's just a functional merchant. Yeah. And it's kind of odd. <laughs> I think they'll keep the British accent. I think that'll there'll be kind of like a riot if that doesn't happen. Yeah, it yeah. sounds silly, but I think they will keep that. Strange, the the yeah. Duke is actually if if someone had a year before Village had come out or long before Village had come out and said this is going to be the Duke in a future game, you kind of think it was silly out of context. Mm-hmm. In context I think he works great. Yeah. So the RE4 merchant, they'll be more involved in the story and possibly and probably have some kind of fun connection to the Duke as well. So I think I'll put more time into it rather than this just this game mechanic that he is in, in RE4. Yeah. I love, like a lot of things in RE4. Like <laughs> <laughs> they don't really have much depth. <laughs> yeah. That's all they were. Mm. 
I think that every single Resident Evil meme that has come and been for four will be referenced in some way. I can see the merchant being the meme li- the meme line delivery system, uh, taking every mechanic from Village, so he's like the winking in-joke of the entire game. Mm-hmm. Even like, oh, you don't do suplex anymore, Leon. Uh, you know, that stuff. I don't see him being a part of the game, like as in narratively, but I do see him like being a big walking tempo reference. Like, oh, master unlocking, eh? Mm. Yeah, I hope they get Paul Mercier back. I know. I would love that. I, hope, okay. I know Nick is likely doing Leon. I don't know if it's been confirmed, but it kind of like if, if he isn't, it, it sounded like. Mm. But I really hope mm. Paul Mercier is still the merchant because there is just something about that man's delivery of stranger mm. that I just can't. I can't let go. Um, so that's my two predictions he's going to be a walking meme and he's going to be uh, Paul Mercier still I mean I can't say anything serious uh, but I, 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 do, I do fondly hope that they reveal the merchant to be who he always has been and is Jason Statham uh, <laughs> at some point like, right about right about the end like Jason, Jason Statham just busts out gets on the bike and that's how you escape because Jason Statham is going to get you out of where you're going uh, without ever telling you what his actual name is in his movies because it doesn't matter it's always Jason Statham oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and I think that's what we need a Resident Evil you know mechanic crossover that's clearly what needs to have happened no in all seriousness I mean, the only thing I'd like to see is and they may well touch this if they have him as more involved character you don't just leave him on the island at the end you actually get away with the yeah. action I want to see him on the no that's the thing like, it's you, know, you, in you, the you can very easily see at the end of the game Leon saying okay Hello, stranger merchant. Who presumably? Yeah, sorry. Let's let's do this properly. Hey, Jason Statham. <laughs> <laughs> you you take Ashley and get out of here. I'll catch up with you, and while I go defeat the yeah. boss, that's that's all it would need for me. Mm. A tiny little bit. Just make it so there's some acknowledgement. I'm not leaving this poor guy to die on the island when it blows up and all the other stuff. You know, I think we'll definitely get that. I think it's going to be more involved. The merchant basically rescues you at the end of village. I think mm. we're going to have a retread of that same sort of stuff. I in don't Oracle. know if you'll get that, but my thought might be that he might get some backstory at least, mm-hmm. like oh, how yeah. he was as part of the village yeah. and stuff like that. But I don't know if I think they'll probably just be like, oh well, he's a functional game player. Yeah, he could be part yeah, of the story. Could, you know, they'll leave it mostly the same. Yeah, it's it's awkward, isn't it? Because you could you couldn't have the merchant as a character where you know you could you know oh. Yeah, read the merchant. Merchant's the only one who's actually saying out of all these people, and is like, oh, you know, I don't know what happened to everybody else. Yeah, we need to get out of here. Yeah, she's with me now, but I'll only sell you things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not taking the fight to him. You do it for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I. Do you know what would be really dope is if um, he is the Duke. I mean, yeah. I mean, I've already said several times. I think RE4 is going to connect a lot of the later um, games, um, but one thing that'd be really dope. Um, is if you do a side mission with him and then thanks to that side mission is the reason why he will sell equipment to you. Um, oh, that would be cool. And, yeah. at, and at the same time, um, it'd be really cool <laughs> um, if he can give you little hints to all the valuables in the game because like, he knows what these valuables are and how much they're worth. Right, so it'd be cool to if he gave you a little bit of information about the valuables, or like gives you like winks about where they are, um, and little stories about them maybe, hmm. um, because those valuables are so like a lot of people like a lot of people put a lot of time into making those valuables <laughs> in the original game. Um, they look great, um, so yeah, it would be it would be cool if we could get that. Um, and yeah, everything else everybody else else has said, given better characterization. I mean, he is one of our favourites, but again, he it doesn't have much substance <laughs> to him. Mm, you, could do, um, you could do a really awesome thing with him by making him an un- unreliable narrator. 
and then have like the, you know introduce him. I mean, you know, he could be a long-standing character at that yeah. point. Yeah, you can introduce him as a character where he tells you information you're never quite sure whether he's telling you the right thing, mm. you know, sort of stuff, or or you know, I'll show you this thing, or this thing's worth this much. You know, is it really? Like you know, mm. like that sort of stuff. But the sad reality of it is, knowing that this is something where you know an external studio I've spent a lot of time putting together, putting the game together. I don't know that Capcom would have given the creative license to do that in a more long-standing way that yeah. goes outside of the rest of the game series. So I think anything with the merchant will be self-contained within your RE4. Mm. I don't yeah. think, based on that, I don't think we'll ever see him step outside of that. Mm-hmm. Um, because as much as you know, Capcom may be happy to say, hey, go make this game for us, they're not going to say, go make this game for us and we're going to also make some characters that we can then use in our later games that mm. we make. So. I think also, he works great in Resident Evil 4. Doesn't mean he works great in every other context. Yeah. Well, you could, I, I could happily see a spin-off game where you're just the merchant doing your own thing. It'll probably be unlockable in the mercenaries. Literally kicks in, kicks in the door, bunches always welcome. Yeah. Like, <laughs> to hell. Yeah. It's just that. Literally, just only has his own lines. Literally, uh, <laughs> okay. Literally, zombie turns up. What are you buying? Bam. Head explodes. You know, sort of stuff. <laughs> Someone asks, uh, has involvement in the podcast given any of you an improved articulation in discussing or explaining your thoughts and opinions that you didn't feel was there before? Has anyone on the crew inspired you along these lines? Yeah, I think 100%. What's funny for me is, so I, back at college and uni, I was constantly surrounded by fellow film buffs and Mm. like when I was doing film studies and stuff, and it was all we talked about and I loved doing it and it was the first time in my life I'd ever really done that with people and then when that kind of split apart that sort of left me and then it was honestly it wasn't really until I came back to doing stuff for first aid spray that I've got the opportunity to as in-depth as we go because we're known for going like super in-depth yeah I, the thing that we're talking, uh yeah put aside an hour and a half of the podcast yeah. no yeah and I think it's something we do really well and yeah everybody inspires me I think when we do those big episodes, I come away from it thinking everybody's like brought their f-ing A game, like, mm-hmm. and we've done some really good stuff. And you know, I I don't try to wing it. I try to make sure I'm, you know, thinking about what I say. And I can often have trouble articulating to get my point across. But these podcasts are one of my favourite opportunities to do that. So yeah, it definitely makes it's all practice in just yeah. in in critical thinking, just thinking in depthly about it at all with the games or the movies that we talk about. So. 100% it's one of my favourite things we do you know I talk with other friends and, and family about movies and games but it's not at the same level we do but that's what's brought us all together and that's the mm-hmm. shared thing we have so I can really I can make a, a reference or a point about something and I know that generally everybody's going to understand what I'm talking about mm-hmm. um, so it's nice to know that you know we can do that and I really enjoy it and yeah I'm always striving to be as good as we can with what we do for that. Mm. Well, I just feel <laughs> I, like a job would change. I was going to say, get the fish <laughs> Oh dear. No, I do try and uh, research and study. And like, Sai always uh, do due do diligence because like, show notes of here's the itinerary for what we're going to be talking about on the podcast. A bit behind uh, behind the scenes or inside baseball maybe. But, uh, and then I just try and process my thoughts and figure out what I want to say. No one comes across as a horrible stream of consciousness. There is actually thoughts. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, nine times I say it's um, uh, um, uh, oh yeah, Leon did it. Uh, <laughs> but I like to think that uh, in any case, I lighten the mood. I think ev- 
at some point across doing all these podcasts, every single member of the panel has said something where afterwards I've come away and just gone, it's either changed my perspective or something I hadn't thought mm. about. Everybody has had that turn for me. I think everybody has thought something at some point. Except so, Steve. No, Steve. <laughs> and you have a very good track record of it, and I think, you know, for good reason. So, yeah. Yeah, 100% record, Steve. Well, well this isn't the Graze yeah. Me podcast. I'm just, honestly, I, from my perspective, I have to go from what have you guys say. I, I will always be here and do my best possible thing, but I also know I come across a complete ass clown. Not intentionally. He won't believe that he's the favorite. He's the popular one. Yeah, so uh, no the real favorite. <laughs> I'm just Steve. I'm like mold. You can't get Steve the favorite. <laughs> I think uh, so. So I'll start with the thing. I, I, the one of us who impresses me the most. No offense to any of you guys. Uh, isn't here with us, which is Jordan. Yeah, I, think, I was going to say the same thing. The way that Jordan approaches things and mm. thinks things through. Yeah, it's very characteristic of the bot that he is. Um, <laughs> his, his algorithms are very well defined. Um, he's a robot squirrel now. Yeah, he's a robot. Yeah. He's a yeah. He's Skynet squirrel. Um, so no, I, Jordan, 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 serial net. <laughs> Amazing. Um, yeah, he Jordan has a way of approaching things which is very considered, and yeah, you can tell Jordan is very much a deep thinker, Completely and that, that impresses me absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I agree with you, Kelsey. Everybody who we've, everybody on the on the panel I've I've talked to has a way of articulating their thoughts and so on which which really makes me really makes me approach things in a sort of different perspective post recording yeah. I mean I, I, unlike you guys I prefer always to shoot from the hip on these things yeah. uh, mostly because I find the iterative process and the, the creative process and discussion points much better if it's organic as mm-hmm. in I just literally approach <laughs> it with bam let's go and go from there and I think a lot of conversations is bouncing off of each other working yeah. out different bits and pieces yeah. um, and then going from there and I think that's that's very important from my process but what I think is all of these conversations we have are collaborative and all of them are us discussing our thoughts and back and forth and so on and what I think is really nice is just going back to the original question of have we improved the answer absolutely is yes I don't necessarily know in articulation although that undoubtedly has improved mm-hmm. I think it's more so much something where as a group, I think that we've become much better at having a conversation where we're more familiar with ourselves. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and not just in a, we know that Sean will like something because it's retro and crap. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Steve will agree with him. Uh, sort of thing. It's more so much, more so much, we have different ways of approaching things and mm. when we suggest something, we have more of an understanding, huh, that's interesting. I can approach this and we bounce off each other better. And I think that's a key thing. And that's why I think people like our show all of the best podcasts I listen to is where you basically have people who are clearly friends and passionate about that thing talking about it and it's like sitting in a room with your friends yeah that yeah. conversation I think that's what we do quite well and have got better at doing and don't always agree there's plenty of times we don't agree I don't agree I don't agree I don't agree with stuff I can just about get as far as RE4 I don't believe there are any RE games after I'll give you grudgingly give you RE4 I think I think the big thing about us as a podcast is that we recognise these are games or we recognise these are films we recognise these are they're films all <laughs> <laughs> oh, that TV series you know they are only games you know and they are only films and they are only TV series yes. you know and it's something that we can just talk about and you know you know the fandom is wild because I think a lot of folks lose that perspective um, a lot of the time um, yeah so it's like but we all respect that and we respect each other's opinions because 
our opinions are not going to change the world like, in terms of like what you know what our opinions are about Pokemon or <laughs> people, you know. let's talk about that more. <laughs> yeah so it's 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 not yeah, it's not important but at the same time we're bringing people entertainment and uh, yeah, we, yeah it's fun that balance between being professional courteous having fun and not taking it too seriously yeah yeah, yeah. It's funny, actually, because... Sorry, James. Yeah, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's funny to say about Jordan. Is, uh, I really wanted to ask him if he was going to be here. I was going to be like, so how, well, I want to see your notes. like mm. Because especially early days of the podcast, I, <laughs> it sounds like a dig, but it's not. If I knew Jordan was going to be on, I was like, that's going to go a little bit longer. <laughs> so I throw it to Jordan. He just goes. And yeah. I don't know if he's like scripted everything he's going to say or if he just fires from the hip. What level is there? Like, yeah. It sounds like... A well-rehearsed monologue sometimes, yeah. and, it, and it may be—I imagine it's probably not. No, He's I'm, just I, very good at, you ju- know. Judging from performances and recordings on Memory Card Lane, Jordan is a very ordered individual, and I think they have a lot of scripts and preparation, vastly to counterbalance. You and know, that's fine. This is Sherwin's a- chaos bringing in my <laughs> my middle of the road. This is the Jordan Appreciation Podcast. Yeah, absolutely. When we went to shout the guy out, it's not here. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, like the point you're making, like s- scripted or otherwise, I mean, it's still his thoughts and what he's come up with is generally, yes. like you say. Oh, no, exactly. It doesn't matter one way or the other. Either yeah. way, it's impressive. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and the other thing I was going to say, sort of in terms of myself, is weirdly, uh, it's, it, it's not so much an improvement, it's more like an adjustment because for a long time, I just did my own thing by me. Like, my YouTube stuff, it was like, I would, you know, play the game, write about it, do the voiceover, do the edit, that was it. And sort of getting into one of the concerns getting to press stage where it's like, oh God, I've got to work with other people. Mm. <laughs> and you've got to work with other people's schedules and it's always complicated and it's stuff like that. But like, for the press stage, I can kind of back off a little bit because I know, I can say to you guys, like, yeah, I don't have a whole lot this week for this one, but that's fine because everyone else will say a bunch of stuff and like mm-hmm. Joe, like you were saying, that might inspire something in me. I was like, oh, I hadn't thought about that. Yes, here's something bouncing off from that. So it's a different thing, certainly. Yeah, I've heard you say that a few times. You'll, I think you'll go into something expecting one thing. And, oh, I didn't have many yeah, notes and now I, I don't care. And then somebody says something, you're like, actually, <laughs> it just sparks. That that's happens a, to me a lot. There are definitely podcasts where I've gone and be like, oh, I'm going to be the moany one. I don't yeah. like and by the end, everyone's trying to change my sort of tune yeah. on it. And I'm like, Do you know what? Yeah, fair I, enough. I like... I, I've, I've learned a lot I feel like to playing like, playing with you guys no uh, podcasting with you folks <laughs> um, we'll be playing we'll be playing later but <laughs> yeah it's uh, I think the big thing that and I've, I've I've brought it into other things as well like the big thing is I'm I'm a big I'm kind of like shown in the, t- in the way of uh, from the hip but I also have to take notes but the way I brainstorm is by listing things mm. right I don't write paragraphs down I write a word mm-hmm. right or like a couple words and yeah. I'll be like word association yeah. and then it'll, it'll trigger something off in my brain and the thing is it's first aid spray that has improved that because it mm. used to be it used to be really bad and really rudimentary, mm-hmm. but it's actually translated into mortal deeds as well. And my D and D thing and like being a better DM as well. Cause uh, you know, note takers is important. Um, yeah. And my, my, my opinion has changed of, of things as well. Um, you know, like I remember that we had, um, this was about a year and a half ago. We had a discussion in the, in the discord about, spoilers and things and what we should and shouldn't show oh yeah it was it was when uh it was about eight months before welcome to raccoon city came out because i knew a friend who mm. had got behind the scenes 
uh, pictures of the Welcome to Raccoon City set and they were sharing them with me. And like, I was itching. I was like, we need to get these, don't we? Everyone needs to see these. You know, by the same time, like, Sai, you explained to me that, because um, at the time I was just like, I people need to see these, they're really cool. But you were like, no, because that's spoilers. And also it's not the end product. Mm -hmm. So we don't know if it's going to be like that yeah. and it might be a really bad it might you know it might have really bad con uh, concussion uh, uh, repercussions yeah, yeah. from it um sorry i'm tired everybody um <laughs> but yeah uh yeah and it that made me change uh, that conversation made me change my opinion on uh, just spoilers in general and leaks and i was and slowly i started to realize you know that no they're really bad <laughs> well, just, it's the other perspective like say you yeah. get caught up in stuff and you mentioned the wildness of the fandom that's what it is I, I was, think doing stuff like this yeah. helps you rather than just the thing is, do you know the, the, the other thing is that like I started to introspect a little bit and I was like what if this happened to Alien mm. you know and you know how much I care about that franchise like what not if, it yeah <laughs> what if what if that happened to Alien and like somebody you know shared behind the scenes stuff for don't worry, the fairies have just arrived um, to to greet Sai. Um, oh, cool. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, but yeah, uh, it's it's a, that's something big I've learned, and also um, yeah, uh, calming down a little bit. <laughs> I used to be very I used to be very hyperactive on podcasts and stuff, and sometimes that can be good, but sometimes I can get a little bit. Uh, too hyperactive and I can I, I've learned to kind of reel myself in um, yeah and in terms of who inspires me I mean you know everybody has as Kel said earlier on everybody has inspired me in some way yeah. like from you know I, I'm always blown away by people's opinions every time we have a podcast um, and yeah that, that comes with just mutual respect for each other as well Speaking about being blown away by opinions, let's get spicy. <laughs> what do you consider your hottest Resident Evil slash survival horror hot take? I'm going to go first. Mine's simple. And I don't know. I, again, I, hope, I don't listen to back to the things we do, but I don't feel like I went as full in as I should have done on a particular profile episode <laughs> about my personal feelings on a certain character. I think not only is Ada Wong the worst character in Resident Evil history, <laughs> she is right up there as one of the worst characters in history, full stop. <laughs> because everyone goes on about, oh, imagine if they put Alice in the game. She's like, I'm sorry, they already did from 2004 onwards. She's basically the same character. She's the Mary Sue, turns up, thinks she's mysterious, kills a bunch of stuff and then disappears again ad nauseum to the point where later appearances she adds absolutely nothing I remember the podcast we talked about it's damnation she showed up in she has no yeah. reason to be there she does absolutely nothing it's infuriating she doesn't add anything to Resident Evil except she saves Leon okay cool that's but like it's very tired at this and point and super secret yeah it's, she I had just more depth than six and that was it and that was because <laughs> yeah, Billy was obsessed with her that's the thing I think that's why the podcast went a little bit up because we got to talk about six and six it, there is more to it even by four I was like okay she's she's alive apparently for some reason nobody really reacts that strongly to it I mean, and she doesn't yeah. really do anything we still don't know really what she's up to and the thing is neither do Capcom 
they don't have a plan. Why should I care? Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, but no, I know the stands are when you when you release a when you release a DLC about one character, but literally don't explain any more about the yeah. character. Yeah. Like it's it's a bad time. Yeah, it does have a lot of character. <laughs> that one tease from Village has got people chomping at the bit. And what's Aiden going to do? Just show up, be mysterious, and fuck off, like Sai said. Yes, pretty much. Like, mm. Everyone's upset that she got cut from the game. I'm kind of like, yeah. <laughs> we would have got more of nothing. Exactly. <laughs> She's Miranda's daughter. That ruins everything. <sighs> would you Would you say no to any further characterization of Aiden? Well, any. Say, well, you're going to get some. I mean, she's going to be she's in remake, four. remake 4, so... Yeah, maybe they'll do some... is. No, I would like them to do something with yeah. her. Yeah. Like, you'd make a joke about Miranda's daughter. I'll take that. It's better than that. <laughs> yeah. I'll take anything. Yeah. Just give us something other yeah. than... Her entire trope is, you don't know anything about me. That's her entire personality. Yeah. That's not interesting. It's like it's like the Dark Mysterious Man trope, isn't it? Yeah. Like, it's like I hate that too. Like, it's like... It's, yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. No, thanks. Anyway, someone take the heat yeah. off me. I, so, this might be spicy, it might not, but I cannot think of another franchise outside of Resident Evil. I, I think Resident Evil is the most confused franchise of anything I enjoy. <laughs> I think... I can't think of a mess... I think there are more... There's more bad Resident Evil than there is good Resident Evil. Ooh. And it's kind of... It blows my mind because I love it so much. <laughs> and I, but then if you take a step back and you look at it, in my honest opinion, yeah, there's more bad than good. It, at multiple points during its life lifespan, doesn't really know what it's catering for. And I think it's been trying to sort of find that for a long time. And I don't want to say go as far as saying that they just throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks, but... Sometimes it feels like that. Sometimes it feels that even within one game, there is it's two different types of games, and that's you know even at the most with the most recent game with Village, mm. you could say that that's like two different types of games. Mm. And yeah, so I, lots of people are very protective about Resident Evil. I'm not protective about it because uh, it's. I'm very happy to admit it's one of the messiest franchises in terms of not just story and canon but gameplay like you know and who it's for and whether that's to its strength I don't know because it's still around and it's, it's why sorry to interrupt no, you, it's but it's, it's why the fan it's why it's lasted so long because the fans are so passionate mm. about it but then I think of something like I think of other franchises that have spanned the same sort of lifespan uh, okay let's talk about Metal Gear again I mean there's not as many games of course those games are kind of different, but the same sort of threads have remained. Mm. And but with Resident Evil, there's so many different games that are at opposite ends of the spectrum for me. And yeah, I I'm I love the franchise. I I don't <laughs> I I love the franchise. It's all also kind of weirdly one of the worst franchises because it had the coherence that it lacks. And yeah, I've got a lot of love for a lot of Resident Evil and then stuff that I don't like. And I just wish that there could be some more coherence. So we talked about the book stuff earlier and yeah, there seems to be a weird balance of power with Resident Evil and I don't know what's going on. So yeah, I think it's more bad than good <laughs> as opposed to summer. Steve. Well, uh, mine's twofold really in that people need to start dying. Yeah. Yes. Like, like actually Correct. dying, like having some uh, stakes and... There's so much plot armour. 
yeah. than the rest yeah. of them right now. And uh, to touch a bit onto what Kelsey said, I feel like that Capcom need to actually go a bit out of their comfort zone because you know, yeah, going further and further into the action adventure genre. I say that with pain, and it's just basically it's another over-the-shoulder shooter with survival horror mechanics. There are other avenues to pull on. I mean, RE7 proved that. You know, there are other horror genres you can lean on too. Mm-hmm. There's even older ones you could go back to. And I'm not going to be one of these people who goes, "We just want to take camera angles back." But there's there is plenty of room to do a small spin-off title that is just like the old games yes. for the old people. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying that I just want it like it was back in the old day. But sometimes you want to put a Beatles album on. <laughs> you know, you don't want to always listen to the new hot stuff that's all the same. Just coming from a guy who's not a Beatles fan in the room, which is ironic. <laughs> but yeah, no, the, the, the thing is, my hot take is that Capcom needs to stop being so homogenous with keeping the same characters alive and making the same type of game over and again. Now, I like Resident Evil, don't get me wrong, but stuff, variety. And, you know, yes, some of it won't be good, some of it will be bad. But still give it a fair shake either way. Is that is that okay? <laughs> It's going to get like nonsensical at some mm. point. Um, and I, I don't mean new guy who showed up last week. Oh yeah, like Ethan. No. Stop like, introducing guys. Yeah, 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 I understand yeah. Ethan needs to de- Ethan needs death, <laughs> but you know I'm not saying kill him off screen. Like we all like you know grimace at the thought of Wesker coming back, but Wesker versus Chris and they both go out ungracefully and violently permanently yeah. would be a great shout for both of them yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Leon of course mo- motorcycle accident probably <laughs> off screen yeah, <laughs> like, the guy looks at a car the wrong way and it explodes Fine by me. and then Jill lives forever yeah, yeah. yeah. she's to the like, age of 99 and she dies peacefully in her sleep like, yeah. Everyone yeah. Just, everyone goes yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 I it's tough because you know everything you guys have said I, I actually agree with all of it um, I think for me the it's interesting as a person who who really enjoyed the original series of games when they came out and has increasingly found themselves actually quite alienated by newer releases mm-hmm. um, this is a difficult one because truthfully I have literally zero interest in playing Resident Evil 7 or 8 I've never played them um, I, I probably will at some point but I have so little interest in them because to me they're just not a Resident Evil game and I don't say that from a, yeah, it's, 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 it's not another yeah. it's not another old grey beard saying, yeah. saying oh god they're not Resident Evil but yeah. they're really not like just seeing a little bit of Resident Evil 8's gameplay footage last night for example was the first time I've ever seen it actually running mm-hmm. and the, my first thought was this isn't a Resident Evil game it literally wasn't like okay fair enough you've, you've gone somewhere else and that's not from a, a petulant kind of Resident Evil needs to remain the way it was getting from a perspective mm-hmm. because it doesn't everything evolves everything changes I feel that the true issue with this is that exactly what you were saying Kelsey Resident Evil is something where like for me they've never defined the rules very well no they've, they've, like it's it's something where part of the appeal of the of the original games was was seeing this thing and there's part of it where you kind of go okay foot in reality this could actually happen or something you know obviously it's an extension of that but this could be a thing that's pretty scary in itself and you hear stories about for example really good example actually that I always land on with the tyrants I'm good with the idea that you know the tyrants come because you're abducting people from prisons or homeless people or whatever experimenting on them Some, most of them don't survive because of the horrible like, state their body's probably already in anyway but also because it just is a 
horrific process that will probably most likely kill you. But if you do make it through, your reward is you get to be this tyrant, right? Mm. And that's a very dubious reward. But the point <laughs> is, is that's you. Getting to the stage, like in later games, where, oh no, actually they're all clones of one guy who can actually has been so, you know, from the Russian military that they've been cloning since in secret technology since the 60s and done all this other crazy stuff too, mm -hmm. because the rejection rate for a tyrant is actually one every five billion people or whatever else. Mm -hmm. That's the bit where you're like, okay, you're so far removed from reality, I just don't care anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a point for me where it does feel a lot like Resident Evil was just to expand. This isn't a hot take, this is just people voicing, someone voicing something that I think a lot of people feel, but it's something where Resident Evil was just expanded in a very uncontrolled, very directionless, very yeah. massive way. I'm echoing what you're saying. Like, it's something where there's no one ever sat there and gone, right, okay, here's our Resident Evil Bible. Bible this is what yeah. the world looks like, yeah. this is how it works. You know, if we want to do this thing, we can't do this thing because of XYZ. Yeah, and that's fine. Like, I think, much like, I always tend to look at Resident Evil these days as, uh, from a perspective of, um, it's almost like a Marvel movie, like, you know, Marvel character sort mm -hmm. of thing. Like, everything is multiverses, everything mm -hmm. different perspectives, like, you know, and, and any of those things could be Resident Evil. It doesn't have to be the way I understood Resident mm -hmm. Evil back in the day. That's a very different Resident Evil to what people understand Resident Evil as now. Um, so, I guess here's the hot take, if I have to have one. I think, for many reasons, as much as Resident Evil 4 was a release which was a really, really solid game. Uh, having replayed it again recently, it really was. And I think a lot it hit a bit of friction on the, a bit of uh, turbulence on the way in because it's not a Resident Evil game uh, in terms of what it was. You know, they obviously slapped the skin over it and made it Resident Evil. But I think my take is Resident Evil 4, as much as it was a really solid game, got a lot of eyes on the product, got a lot of people into it, was a misstep in terms of the Resident Evil history because if you see everything that came out of the redefinition of Resident Evil as a result of that game you know the games that followed have proven not to be very you know five and six were not classics for mm. example if you look at the way the direction of the thing goes in terms of just absolving a lot of science and everything else in it if you look at a whole bunch of other stuff I think that's the starting point where Resident Evil goes and just really starts to you know, jump the shark, disconnect, whatever else, starts to lose its way from its roots. And that, for me, is the point where that's the starting point for when it kind of... If you were to look at something and go, yeah, that's when the addiction began. Like, you know, that's, that's, the bit, that's the bit where the band started releasing bad CDs. Yeah. And it kind of slowed down from there. It's been fine so, with itself, like, ever since. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. It, until that point, it felt like there was at least this concise control over what was going on. Yeah. And at that point, I think... Even though it came out with some games and there's different bits and pieces, that's the bit for me where the chaos really began. And, mm -hmm. yeah. Do you think that that's because it's maybe bigger than Capcom would even, were even able to handle or anticipate? I think like a lot, they were yeah. stuck then with this huge thing. I I don't necessarily know that. I think what it is is that much like um, much like a lot of things, you see this quite a lot with some with some stories and some things. Controlling something when it's very small and you've got an isolated event or an isolated location or an isolated bunch of characters is pretty straightforward and you can create some really interesting interactions. Exploding that out to a global scale is where it goes wrong. Yeah. And that's what I think happened. Like we had this idea of what Raccoon City looked like. We had this idea of like, you know, this the yeah, you know, what this outbreak looks like. We have understanding of how that self-contained event happens. We have no idea the ramifications going on to what happens later on in the world. And unfortunately that can vary differently and no one ever sat down and went, right, okay, 
okay what does the world look like let's make a bible let's make a thing post umbrella post raccoon city outbreak what happens next in the timeline what Mm. happens here and here and so everyone just goes cool let's do this thing okay so spain okay doesn't look like spain to me but it's spain now and that's what happens you know Mm. this is this is resident evil 4 resident evil 5 oh this is what it looks like in africa Mm. and grab these different ideas from wherever there's definitely been Without, a trend of that of yeah. those reference points that are not yeah. necessarily landed and, 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 <laughs> as intended and there's, yeah and there's no connection to an overall bigger picture no. all it does is just grabs bits and pieces here and there and just kind of tries doesn't even try to tie them in just makes this nonsense put it there just to be yeah. different oh yeah. let's put it over there it, it convolutes there. its own story yeah. Yeah. Right, when it does that because nothing makes sense yeah and the sad reality was like the, the even when you then go back to that later on like Resident Evil Zero it just throws it up like Resident Evil Zero is that well fortunately rare example of something which is a prequel which creates rather than closing off story arc, yeah. just opens them up yeah. in random directions and <laughs> makes really confusing contradictory yes. statements yeah, yeah. so yeah. It's, I'm so I'm actually putting like a review together for Umbrella Chronicles at the moment and I've written nearly that exact same thing about Resident Evil Zero because obviously it retreads yeah. right game. sure yeah it's a great point there you go. so that's me no hot takes just reaffirming my stand <laughs> <laughs> we've heard it all before <laughs> uh, you guys have said a lot of points I had in my head but I think kind of a big one and I've touched on it earlier on but yeah, people should stop clutching their pearls about this franchise <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah agreed um, like you are damaging the franchise the more you want like it just not so much for things to stay as they are or to keep your fixed camera angles or to you know whatever or to keep your character alive it's just like you know you doing this as a consumer and I've caught flat for this on the fast discord but you as a consumer saying you don't want this and you don't want that right is scaring Capcom yes right from actually being bold exactly yeah. yeah like you see these other like franchises who are like that they will kill like those are the big moments in games you know because it's like I can't believe they die like I mean you think about House of the Dragon or yeah, yeah. you know Game of Thrones or whatever people are talking about the Red Wedding mm-hmm. right they're talking about the Battle of the Bastards they're talking about like all these things right but <laughs> Resident Evil, like in my head, like if I go, hasn't had that moment. Yeah, because they're scared. Yeah, like the only the only moment we've had is from the original games. Yeah, yeah, sure. like yeah. and like and then they went actually no, mm-hmm. like that's not how it's going to be. Yeah, we're now going to fry him in a volcano. You know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but wait, he still might not be dead. You know, <laughs> you know, which is why like the Mega My Seat I think is so cool, like cool of a monster. Right, I've discussed this before, but like, because it keeps memories and stores them, and mm. like, you know, I was going to say earlier on, I forgot because type brain, but like, you know, Wesker could also be a memory inside this Mega My C at some point. It's been here for a very long time. Um, Age seventeen, Spencer wheeled him over, <laughs> and touched it, and therefore his entire mind from seventeen became the yeah. Mega My Seat. Sure. Yeah, like I just, you know, just stop, stop taking it. If you listen to us as a podcast, um, you will. I think. I know, I don't want to sound egotistical, but I think if you listen to our podcast, like, you know, legitimately and genuinely and listen to us, like, you would probably have, like, the kind of similar viewpoint that, you know, we just want more content, Mm. you know, and we want more content, we want it to be good content, and we want Capcom to push and be, you know, I feel like 7 and 8 were a good push, right, but it wasn't enough. Um, yeah, so they need to push. They need to kill Chris, and, <laughs> and they need to. Well, I, 
As I said, I would love to see what would happen if Capcom were, were bold enough to be like, yes, Resident Evil is a multiverse story. Yeah. That's it. For them to be like, yes, everything is canon because this is now mm. a multiverse story and we're going to acknowledge it. I would love to see people, how people react to that because it would change everything. Yeah. So if Leon kills Ganon in Ocarina of Time, yeah, it makes future. Three, yeah, that's right. I, I, would, I would think of one thing. I, I don't necessarily know that they need to do that as such as, I mean, in, a way, in a way, I think what Resident Evil is missing is is a definition of, like, I can, I can happily believe Resident Evil can be all of the things we're talking about. I feel mm. like Resident Evil should be something where, where Capcom can literally go, this is the Resident Evil Raccoon City uh, universe. This mm-hmm. is the Resident Evil kind of you know, bio, bio, bio yeah, worldwide yeah, yeah. universe. And don't have those connected. And that's mm-hmm. the key point. Mm-hmm. At that point, you can then yeah, you can then announce releases. This is Resident Evil 9. Resident Evil 9 is set in the Resident Evil you know, Ethan universe. Mm-hmm doesn't have to have any connections to any of the other games other than the ones within that little bubble doesn't you know and at that point people know exactly what they're buying into they can you can restart to establish what the key DNA of what each of those different yeah. series is yeah. you can then as a player of the game you can go right okay so this game's going to be about XYZ mm-hmm. and I'm into that and that's great here's Resident Evil OG universe thing okay cool so it's going to tap into this stuff I'm really excited about this can't mm. wait to see how they expand yeah. out that because that actually gives you capacity to then take Chris and have a different Chris here than you yeah. have in here and here mm-hmm. why the hell are we all talk about Chris when he's boring mm-hmm. is another question entirely <laughs> <laughs> we should be talking about Leon clearly but no, the point is, is that you can take those characters and go different directions with them mm-hmm. and do different stuff mm-hmm. and they don't have to impact each other half of the reason why Resident Evil is so convoluted is because hey here's Wesker well, Wesker started here. He was at some point he was doing this thing, and now he's doing this thing. Who knows where he is? Yeah. Will Wesker come back? Will Wesker do this? Will Wesker do that? It's so, because you're trying to tie so many yeah, very yeah. disparate things together that it's impossible. So, so one thing that um, I, again, make a reference is to Alien again, right? And I've spoken about it a lot um, in the the server again, right? But the Alien franchise does that, right? Because Alien. Alien is different from Alien vs. Predator is different from Predator. Yeah. Like, they're all three different timelines, yeah. right? And even Alien of the early 90s, comics, etc., right, um, can be forgotten about, other than some things that like we were discussing earlier on with short stories and things that just have no consequence, really, right? But they've been really, like, taken into account, like, modern, the cinematic universe, and also from the last 10 years, that's Alien, Right? And here's Alien vs. Predator, and they've been releasing like Rift War, the novel for that, and they're all different universes. And yeah, maybe one day they'll try and connect those things. I think it'll be a disaster, right? <laughs> but if they did that for Resident Evil as well, yeah, like, it, it helps. It, it helps create definition. Yeah, it helps to actually give people an idea. And people aren't stupid. Thinking. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I mean, well, when it comes to story writing, you know, it's like we just want a good story. We just want to be entertained. Right, and if you can't understand what's going on in the story, then you can't be entertained. I mean, you take the recent Netflix show as an example. For some reason, we can acknowledge that S.D. Perry's novels are an alternate universe. We can acknowledge that the Juanison films are an alternate universe. Mm. But people are really uppity about the Netflix series because yeah, it doesn't mm. follow because canon. What they said, I think, is the main thing, isn't yeah, it? Again, I don't know what, where that line comes from. Like, because Capcom themselves for a long time have been like just adverse to talking about what isn't 
because they know what's canon. <laughs> they exactly. Know well, sure, exactly. Like, and and that's why people get you know yeah. into debates about the remakes and stuff. And it's the yeah. same with the show. Is like they seem to have a line on this is canon. Where did that come from? Did canon say Capcom say anything? Mm. Is it just something that Constantine were like? No, we're going to say that it's canon because yeah. it will get people to bombs on seats. Exactly. Yeah, it's a shame because you could yeah. At core level, you could just Final Fantasy it. Every game is its own no, yeah, thing. Yeah. Doesn't necessarily tie into each other. Like you know, in, in every game there's a Sid. Does that mean that we then have endless conversations about how one Sid is related to the other? Right? <laughs> because it's not important. Yeah, I do. Wonder, every game could have a Wesker. I do wonder if Capcom <laughs> are subtly trying to do that because technically seven and eight aren't called seven and eight. It's like all right, right. I know seven has the logo yeah. thing, but and I think with. Village, they specifically went out of the way to say, Don't they, call this Resident this Evil 8. Yeah, don't call it Resident so it's like, it is the eighth game, yeah, but it's not called Resident Evil yeah, 8. So yeah, maybe really they are very aware and they're like, No, yeah. this is our separate little thing. And, over and maybe here. that's the thing, yeah. maybe that's what it is. Yeah. The REGU, let's end on something a bit more positive then. Oh, yes, this is true. Came the standard first aid spray polite conversation. Um, after I went, burn Ada Wong at the stake. Um, <laughs> we had to steer back. You are pretty negative. <laughs> so, uh, what is one gaming element from the Resident Evil series that always draws you back in and gives you the warm fuzzy feelings? From Luigi, thirty-two and a half years old. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Lou. I hope you're having a good day. Yeah. <laughs> I would say I think there's quite a few, but I'd keep it simple. Um, just, I think. The piano and Moonlight Sonata is something that I've said before. When I think of Resident Evil, generally that's the first thing that pops into my head. If it's not the first thing, it's like the second thing that pops into my head. Um, I think back to when I first experienced that, and yeah, it just has the same effect on me now as it does now. That always stops me in the moment. It's in the moment. It's such an awesome little part of the game. Um, it's so simple. Like it's such a simple little puzzle. Um, I think to hear that piece of music in the game is like such just fits so perfectly well I'm glad they kept it as part of the remake yeah I always get fuzzy feelings thinking about that it's one of my favourite moments in the entire franchise and like RE1's not even my favourite game in the franchise but that moment is Resident Evil 1 right there Um, yeah I love that moment I think for me it's interconnected maps Maps that really look back on themselves mm-hmm. become uh, mm-hmm. an expanding labyrinth complex, maybe themed keys. Uh, but you know, <laughs> yes. it, it's that kind of like an environment you get to know and then get surprised by over and over again. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's why I really, really dig about it. That's uh, <laughs> good, Steve. So for me, it's I find it real hard. I don't <laughs> so for me, it's isolationism. Every mm. single Resident Evil game, when it's doing it well, you feel like you are alone. Mm-hmm. You feel like you are literally you are it's that sense of whole, you don't realise you're doing it I, I realised this playing Remake 2 and why it was that the alligator uh, section sucked in that um, it's because for me anyway I'm, you know, I'm super mm-hmm. my perspective but it the reason why it sucks <laughs> it, yeah, the reason why, it's, it's because you, re, you don't realise you are, you are locked in this struggle for survival that you're currently going through that you're like you're literally blasting through and you're holding your breath and you're like how do I get from this like I'm completely surrounded by enemies where are they I am completely alone yeah. and there's one or two things happens one like, I didn't realise the reason they had to get a section sucks is because when I died I kind of almost like released my breath and 
okay I spent so much time trying to stay alive I'm locked out of this and the reason why it sucked is because I'm literally playing it and oh I died oh I died oh I died and it completely broke that immersion for mm. me completely which is why it sucked um, but but it's that sense of I'm going through I'm all alone I don't know where anything is there's this almost sense of determinism that bleeds into you which is amazing and it also lends the cutscenes where you find another survivor so much weight like you literally go into yeah. that room that music starts you have a cutscene whatever game you're playing and like you know mm. even if it's Sherry and she's practically useless like, <laughs> yeah. and you're like someone else yeah, yeah. like you know like I'm safe and that's why and that's why also at the same time when you get the two obvious breaks I could talk about one is Kendo and his gunshot where I'm in a cutscene I'm safe no I'm not mm-hmm. uh, and also when you're in the save room in the clock tower and then Nemesis steps upstairs and yeah. the thing mm. comes down the music stops that sort of stuff at that point you're like okay like I'm not safe here and that's that's a really cool it gives, it gives them so many devices to be able to do something but at core essence that's Resident Evil for me mm-hmm. Oh man! <laughs> Follow that. <laughs> I mean, it's a weird thing, Joe. I'll, I'll really give you a little bit more time to think. Which is that's a weird place to get your warm and fuzzy feelings. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, then, having, but having having gone with the whole Dino Crisis, I love this music. And so I was like, this is horrific. Yeah. <laughs> so apparently, I'm not good at measuring. To be fair, that. like you guys between you, are basically. Nick mine as well, pretty much in the sense that it's like, yeah, exploring that unknown Audience, map. And- just no, I'm. Yeah. We are the best. <laughs> Go. So uh, yeah, I don't know either at this point, but uh, it's I mean, it's a, it's a it's a it's a unique experience, and I think like every single Resident Evil has still has a recipe of what it was originally. Like in some capacity, like there's something that is still there that is still Resident Evil, even though the name makes no f-ing sense. Like. <laughs> It, the game it still has like ingredients there that I enjoy um, I don't know how they do it um, and this isn't me saying you know it's like a perfect you know every game is perfect because it's definitely not if you listen to this whole podcast you'd realise that right, but, but, <laughs> <laughs> but like there is still something there that keeps you whether it be the cheesiness like of some of the stuff or whether it be some of the even though we we know as like long time Resident Evil fans, this person's probably going to come back anyway. Like even though some of the deaths, the weapons in the game, like I feel feel like that in the most recent ones, I've been really enjoying weaponry um, in the games as well. Yeah. Um, and like it's been really really fun f- trying to figure out the law. <laughs> right, it's almost impossible. Right, but. Um, it's fun to it's fun to uh, put your your tinfoil hat on and start talking about what could be Um, whether it be true or not like I was completely wrong about Chris I even before that was released as him as the cover I was saying that Chris was a werewolf because I was like look at the werewolf he looks like Chris he's wearing his jacket you know Um, yeah even before that it was fun you know and you know it was it was okay to be wrong about it, you know, but yeah, it's fun to think about what could be in these series about, and you know, I had no idea where village was going. Notorious leaker, moist outlet says Chris is going to be a werewolf. I literally, I think I, I think one of my tweets was if Chris is not a werewolf, I'm going to 
Right. <laughs> well, they went like, out of their way to make it look that way. Yeah. I think it was kind of late. I don't think they purposely did it. I just think it was lazy marketing. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. this looks cool. It means look, nothing. Look, we can fade yeah. two that's, characters. That's, that's yeah. the most Resident Evil statement. Just <laughs> 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 cool, it means nothing. Uh, I, I think like a lot of folks said like kind of very similar things to what I was thinking, right? But yeah, I, sorry, my answer is half-assed, but it's a it's a it's a it's a mixture of a whole bunch of little things. Yeah, that, yeah, for sure. That bring it back, like a whole bunch of little features that bring me back to Resident Evil. Um, in particular, Remake Three. The thing that brings me back to Remake Three is everybody's hatred of it. <laughs> <laughs> I actually quite like it. It's good. Oh, it's great. I actually really yeah. do like Resident Evil. Yeah, it's a great game. It's nice, a solid game. Quick, fun. Yeah, my I mean, similar. To be fair, like I could say. You know, themed keys and like, oh, the, the feeling of oh, that's what this item is for, and like oh, cool, I can go in here now. I don't want to. I'm But just as easy, I'll go an easy one. You know, also gives you the warm fuzzies about Resident Evil. Barry Burn. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely one hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't like as much as you can talk about the voice acting in the original game. Like just Makes one one man alone, just like, pretty much justifies oh, the entire uh, decision uh, to do that. That's yeah. enough to like, yeah, like, yeah. I'm happy. That man's insane, <laughs> and so forth. Any of them you could pick. Every single person loved Barry that played Resident Evil. Yeah, every person. Nobody hates so, anybody says, "Oh, I hate wrong. Barry," they're just going for shock value. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you didn't like remake Barry, but then you played Revelations Two, and you liked Barry after that. Oh, I love Barry yeah. after Rev Two. Yeah, yeah. like because he was proper dad. Yeah. At that point, this is already one Barry, not remake one Barry. Again, we got to see some origins about who a character was, like and what right, his he got stakes more were. Emotional insight. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. I want to see more of that. Like mm. you know, like I don't care about Chris because he's got no stakes. I don't care really about Leon because he's got no stakes. Like I care about Barry because he has a family. Is. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've I have travelled the length of the planet and I've and met an awful lot of Resident Evil fans and talked to them about why they love the game so much and. Every single one of them has a Barry line. Yeah. <laughs> Every single one of them has a Barry line and tells you can tell you how much they love Barry and where they first saw Barry and their first meeting with Barry. He's literally like the most popular human being on the planet. That's <laughs> why like, one of the biggest fist pumping moments is the alternate end of the RE3 where he comes and rescues you and everyone was like <gasps> and obviously the live delivery is it's, it's, terrible, it's but so it's funny. You're the first <laughs> yeah, like objectively that ending is so tacked on and fan service <laughs> no there's no mention of Barry no. at all in that game no. and yet everyone goes that's the ending yeah, yeah. that's the canon ending. that's the one I like so they go it's the ending <laughs> so yeah yep is it you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, Jill, how's it going? Sorry about that. Yeah. You don't even see his face. You just see that part. A beard. Yeah, yeah. You see a beard and a hat. Yeah. Uh, Powerful. No waving of Magnum going, it's me. Check me out. <laughs> I mean, to the point where, like, having written, you know, I mean, I guess it is fan fiction technically, but for the Kickstarter, mm-hmm. like, the, for everyone's favourite moment is where Barry, whilst flying a helicopter one-handed, shoots, a, shoots the, the tyrant <laughs> off the side of it with a magnum. Yeah. <laughs> that's deafening everybody in the cockpit. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Everyone's just like, I love Barry. At the end of that, like, anyone else, you'd be like, mate, that, what is that? Barry, you're like, that's a pretty par for the yeah. course, like, yeah. Barry. You're right. Any game without Barry is bad. <laughs> yeah, I stand by the, the best the best Capcom game that they've never made is Barry and Mikhail 
like as buddy system. Yeah. That would be, be the game that everyone wants to see. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's called Proforce, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess that wraps up this. I don't know how long we went for typical first day spray fashion. It was probably a number of hours. Over two hours. Yeah. There you go. Right. How about, how's that for a bonus episode? Yeah. Could be what part one and part two. Yeah. yeah. We'll record the rest later. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, apologies to anyone whose question didn't make it obviously we can only do so much we did go quite long uh, thank you all for listening thank you all for supporting us for what will be four years when this comes out but it's a little bit of a ways off now four um, more years Barry for president thank you to all our patrons as usual uh, this in person meetup. I wouldn't say we wouldn't have happened without them. It was a lot easier with, you know, yeah. <laughs> let's put it that way. So uh, there you go. Uh, other than that, I guess I got nothing else to say other than have a, have good, a good week. week. Have a good yeah. week. Yeah. Bye guys. Bye. <laughs>